Welcome to the Arcade Repair Tips Question and Answer Podcast. The podcast that answers your questions about arcade repair and restoration. Now, here are your hosts, Tim and Jonathan. Hello and welcome to episode 31 of the Arcade Repair Tips Question and Answer Podcast. My name is Jonathan Leung, the producer, director, and editor of the Arcade Repair Tips video series. And joining me today, as always, is Mr. Arcade Repair Tips himself, Tim Peterson. Tim, how are you doing today? Doing pretty good, Jonathan. I was going to enter an inferiority contest, but I just didn't think I'd do very good, so I came (laughs) over and we'll do a podcast tonight. There you go. I think that's better for both of our stakes anyway. Well, guys, it's been a while since we've been with you, and we're glad to be back here doing another podcast. But Tim, seriously, in all seriousness, what have you been up to lately? Well, lately, it just seems like one one thing after another, just a lot going on. I'm trying to sell a house, trying to just some family things we got lots of stuff at church and uh, work it's it's a never-ending thing but you know it's been great we've uh just having a good time just you know it, anything i can do jonathan to keep away from to hear about the election anymore oh i'm telling you right <laughs> I'm now i'm sick of that it's all over tv it, and, it's rough and, to deal and with. thanks for everybody for the emails but i'm not gonna run for president we can <laughs> fix games but we cannot fix this country but anyway. i don't know i don't know maybe given the shot tim you could step up and be the man that we need i mean i'd cool. vote for you jonathan i think you're a better politician <laughs> i don't know well let, let's get off the subject of politics and let's go ahead and get into our podcast now tim let's start off by talking about some of the new videos that we have out there right now right and between last podcast and this podcast we released two new videos which we talked about a little bit last time so we're not going to talk about them now but one was on opening a cocktail cabinet and we're actually recording in my game room today tim and we can see the cocktail cabinet the finished job right here and it looks nice and i've had several people over playing this thing and they all love it they say it's great and it was a lot of fun to work on and i'm glad we had that video out there because i think it shows a lot of people who are curious about how to work on cocktail cabinets exactly what it's all about yeah it seems like a lot of people end up going to an auction a lot of times they'll get a cocktail cabinet for the first game too right because it's smaller and uh, you can put it in the back of a car sometimes but then when you get it home you realize it takes up a lot of space right so you know it it actually if you're going to play on both sides it actually you can put two stand-up video games but everybody should have at least one, right? Oh, yeah, I think so, because they're just so unique. And whenever people, I tell people that I have like a tabletop is usually what I tell them. I don't tell them cocktail, because right. most people don't understand that. Well, I'll have a tabletop game. Oh, like the ones in Pizza yeah. Hut, right? I remember going to Pizza Hut and playing cocktail cabinets. So. Yeah, I tell them I had a cocktail cabinet. They say, well, we, yeah, I had a few cocktails playing games back in the day, too, you know. So, <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> Not that kind of cocktail, right? But anyway, so we have that new video out there, plus just recently released one, Tim, on wiring a cabinet using the JAMA standard, which also involves the same cocktail cabinet. So we actually show how to wire up a 60-in-1 outside the cabinet and then transfer it inside the cabinet. There's an extended cut of that video, Tim, that will be on our Volume 4 DVD, which is probably going to get pushed back to 2013, unfortunately. If the end of the world doesn't come first, (laughs) it'll be pushed back to 2013. But we are excited to get that out eventually but we will have an extended cut of that video and tim i think that one's really good because we get this question all the time about how do i put a 60 in one in a game or how do i do this right. you know, with with multi-cade boards or whatever it is and that one really does break down not just with multi-cade boards but just jamma wiring in general how to do yeah, it yeah i think one of the biggest questions that we get is especially in this example you open it up an old pac-man uh, cabinet has a, a an older power supply in there right and people want to convert it to a switcher right well this video kind of covers a lot of that and how to do it and so that'll help some people i hope 
Definitely. So those are the two new videos that we have out there. You guys check them out on YouTube. It's got some great information for you guys. And like I said, watch for extended cuts on our upcoming DVD, Volume 4. And Tim, we also have some upcoming videos, and I was just telling you before we started recording that I've got the stuff to do a non-destructive mispack to multi-cade conversion. Now, what do we mean by non-destructive? Okay. Basically, we're not going to change out any of the wiring. We're going to use the original mispack wiring and wire it up for a multi-cade. And I there's see. a kit that we get. It's from jammaboards.com. I'll put a link in the show notes for that if you guys want to see it. But we're going to basically shoot a video on installing this kit. And what this allows you to do is make your Miss Pac-Man a multi-cade without doing any other work, and you still keep the game original, which means if you ever wanted to put a Miss Pac board back inside of it, it's right. totally possible. Nice. And that's what we want to do, because we don't wanna we really don't want to rewire these classic games that are out there to JAMA. I mean, they're they're whatever game they are, they are that game. Right. And we want to make sure that we preserve those as much as possible. But maybe you have a Miss Pac where the board went out. And you think, well, maybe instead of buying a mispack board, I'd rather have a multi-cade. Right. And this will allow you to do it without harming the wiring or any of the power supply stuff that's in the Miss Pac-Man cabinet at this moment. That's pretty cool. And I think that... And if you take your situation, John, why did you do it? Right. Because you have a really nice-looking Miss Pac-Man, but then right. you have another Miss Pac-Man. Needs some love, but it's an empty... It's a cabinet. Right. And this way... People can play games and stuff, but if you go to sell it, right. you can put the Miss Pac board in there, and there somebody else can have a Miss Pac Man right. without you kind of hacking it all up and tearing it all up. But you have something else to play right. besides Miss Pac Man. Exactly, and so I think a lot of people are interested in that. Plus, of course, we've been talking about this one. I think we talked about it a lot last time as well, Tim, on our last podcast, that I have a Mario Brothers that needs a cap kit. We have the cap kit sitting on top of it. We're looking at it right now. Right. And we're going to shoot a video on installing a cap kit on a Nintendo monitor because that right. seems to be a very common topic that we get on these podcasts a lot as well. And, and, you know, a lot of people, it seems like something that even people who've done a few cap kits, it almost seems like the next step. Right. Oh, you're going to, or because I know we, we often would charge more. It's really not any harder to do, just a little bit more time consuming because you have to take some stuff off and everything. We'll show that in the video. And I think people will help them a lot when they're working on Nintendo games. Yeah. Also, we need to get together with Michael. So, Michael, if you're listening, we need to get together with you. I know we've, we've missed each other a couple of times because I know you guys out there who are listening love the videos with Michael. And so we always like to get those in, at least a couple on every DVD series. So we're hoping at some point me, Tim, and Michael can all get together once again and shoot a couple of videos there as well. Well, sure they do, John. It's nice to have somebody that knows what they're talking about occasionally. <laughs> that is a good point. <laughs> well, I mean, you're, you're okay. I mean, I think between the two of us, we can fumble through most repairs most, so. of, most of the time <laughs> there you go I, I remember i show people what not to do oh, and michael right. shows people what they should do that's right now speaking speaking of that tim we have a very special announcement to make here at the end of the show if you guys subscribe to either our twitter or our facebook feed you might already know what the announcement is but we'll make it official here at the end of the show so you guys got to stay tuned if you want to hear exactly what that announcement entails but tim without further ado let's get into our questions and first let's get into our updates from our previous shows and Tim, we really don't have any updates because it's been a while since we've done the last one and usually we're good about answering some of those questions, the feedback real quick. So we're actually just going to do some of the thank you messages that we've gotten. Okay. And this first one's from Chris. And he says, I had an issue with my JAMA Arcade monitor with some of the colors being washed out. I really thought the worst. I thought I would need to have the monitor changed out or something else that would be very costly. I found your website and simply adjusted the colors and brightness. Now the game looks brand new as if I purchased a new one. 
Thank you for your awesome tips, hints, and videos. This is an amazing website that truly helps you fix your own games. And Tim, it's always great to hear that. And Chris, thank you for listening to our podcast, watching the videos. And, you know, the biggest thing, Tim, that we like to do is we like to give people the knowledge and the confidence that they need to do these repairs on their own. Right. At least some of the basic things that you can do, you know, before you have to call somebody I mean, uh, imagine, you know, and and, I, and let's be realistic. If somebody calls us out for a repair, you, they've got to charge you for their time, their gas. The guy's going to go over there and tell you he changed out your flux capacitor or something, right? <laughs> right. And and so, you know, this was probably at least a $75, $80 repair, maybe $100, depending on where you live. Right. California, 200 uh, or something. <laughs> So anyway, this guy did it himself, and right. so that's why we're our goal's always been to try to fix a game, and then you can play the game. Some of it's just getting your hands a little dirty and just getting in there. So appreciate Chris that we were able to help you do that. Yeah, and I think the biggest thing, Tim, is really knowledge and confidence. Those are the two things that you sure. need to have, and that's what we like to think we instill here to all of our listeners is that we help you guys. Get some knowledge about how to fix it and then give you the confidence you need to do it yourself. So, Chris, we're so glad to get some feedback from you. Thank you again, like we said, for listening, for watching the videos, and good luck with all your future repairs. So, Tim, let's go ahead and get into the website questions now. And the first one we have is from another Chris. Okay. And he says, Hi, my Zaxxon arcade game switching power supply went bad, and I'm looking for a new one, but I don't know which one to buy. The one that is in my Zaxxon is a 90-volt to 110-volt, 5-volt, 6-amp switching regulator, and it tested bad. Without the monitor, the CPU connected, 5 volts was at 5.04 volts, but with the monitor and the CPU connected, it was at 1.356 volts. I've looked at a lot of information on switching power supplies, and not all of them are 5 volts, 6 amp, so I want to make sure I can use this one I've seen on Amazon. It's a 16 amp, 110 watt, 110 to 220 volt. Please help me out on this as I don't know which one to buy. Right. So Tim, we have Chris here. And he's got a Zaxxon that somebody has already converted to a switching power supply. Sounds, sounds like, like it, yeah. Okay, and he's saying that it was 5 volt, 6 amp. Okay, the, the 90 volt to 110 volts is telling it basically what that input voltage is right. for the AC. But it's 5 volt, 6 amp. And he's saying with without anything connected, it is reading good. But as soon as he starts connecting his monitor and his board, it just drops down to like 1.35. Yeah. So Tim, let's tackle that real quick instead of the second question. Do you think that there's a problem with the power supply here, or do you think the problem might be with something else? Well, that's what you want to call under a load. Right. It happens. So, you know, most of the time when something drops under a load like that, I want to call it maybe a 50-50. You could have the power supply because it can't handle once a load is put on it. Right. Or... He's got a problem elsewhere that's draining a lot of that and taking up some of that in layman's terms, you know, sucking the supply out of it. Sure. But more than likely, a great place to start would be that power supply. Okay. Um, I would definitely suspect it first. If he had something else he could test in there, maybe, but in a Zaxxon, probably not. Okay, well, well, let's go to the second question then, since you're saying it could be the power supply. He's looking at one on Amazon. It's a 16 amp, 110 watt, 110 to 220 volt. Will this work? Well, here's the the deal. I always tell people you want to get as close to what you have, but what he has is not original anyway. Correct. And he doesn't sound like a very good power supply because usually arcade ones i don't know what he's looking at on on amazon but if you go to bob roberts site or you go to arcade shop or hap controls i would just say generally uh you're going to look at a like a 15 amp 
Right. And uh, so the 16 would probably be great. Uh, and like a lot of stuff, you can go up in amps, but your voltage, you just want to make sure it has a plus 5, minus 5, plus 12, whatever you need. And that's that's the point that we definitely need to clarify here, Tim, is that you can go up on amperage, but you don't want to go any less than what was in there, more than likely. Right, and that's what concerns me, is that he only had a 6 amp in there, and I hardly ever see that low of an amp in video games. Right. Usually, you know, you get a 15 or a 20 amp power supply, and I just want to highly recommend uh, for, for some of the new guys... I know, I think Bob Roberts sells it. Uh, I'm pretty sure Arcade Shop does. But Have Controls has one that, you know, has an auto-adjust. In other words, it shows like a green light right. when you hit the 5 volts. Yes. You don't even have to have a meter. Right. And you can just put that in there. So I would say a 15 or 20 amp. Now, I don't think he needs to go to like a big computer, so big power supply. Just one like he sees on their sites. And, and if he emails one of those guys, they'll recommend something. But uh, we don't have pictures of what he's looking at off of Amazon. Right. You know, a lot of times people, Jonathan, coming in new to the hobby or just using like computer power supplies and stuff, I would highly recommend that you get genuine arcade parts from Hap Controls or Bob Roberts or someone. Yeah. So now you, can rig, you can rig up a computer power supply to do it, but you just don't want to do that if you don't have to. It no, makes it a whole just, lot simpler to get the right thing. It does, and it will help him hooking it up and so forth. There's just, you know, and it could be something draining your voltage. A lot of times... Uh, we'll start unplugging stuff right? to see if it drains. He says with his monitor and his board. What about with just his board? Or just his or monitor. Or just his monitor. Sure. Or without the controls up front or the, anything or the soundboard hooked up. Right. You know, there's some things that I might would do just to make sure. But it doesn't sound like he's got the right power supply in there to begin with. Right. So let's bump that up. Go with that. That 16 amp would probably work, though, uh, I don't, that's just kind of a strange amperage, 16 oh, could, and 6, you know, yeah. like 10 well, or you know, 15 or 20. Those are also more modern. It could be that somebody from the 80s, you know, it went out, their power supply went out, and all they could find was a 6-amp six switcher or whatever it is back then. You never right. know. So, But like you said, a lot of what you see nowadays is all 10, 15, something like that. So, Chris, it sounds like you need to start there, though, by replacing your power supply. If you're still getting that power drain like Tim was talking about, Start start unplugging things to see if you can isolate where that might be coming from. So hopefully that answers your question, and good luck with your repair on the Zaxxon Arcade. Okay, Tim, let's move to Ross. And Ross says, I own a Sega Turbo upright machine circa 1981. When I picked up the machine from a friend's house to move it to mine, the screen was already collapsed, but you could actually play the game. You couldn't see what you were doing in the game, but you could still see all the lights, scores, hear the sounds, etc. When we moved it to my house and set it up, no lights could be seen, the screen was still collapsed, and the sound kept repeating. Any clue as to how I should begin repairs? Thank you for your time and help, Ross. Alright. So Tim, we have Ross here. He's got a Sega Turbo. Now, one thing about a Sega Turbo is it has the scoring kind of like Dragon's Lair, where it's got the LED readouts for the right. scoring. So basically what he was saying is that before they moved it, the readouts were working, and he could hear the game working. Basically, he had a playing blind game, but it had screen collapse. That's right. what I had. And now he moved it to his house, and he's getting nothing. Like, right. It's just dead. So, Tim, where does Ross need to start on his repair on the Sega Turbo? Well, guys that listen to our podcast a lot know we're going to go with ASAP. We're going right. to <laughs> always start, start at power. power. And the power, being that he does have power to the game, right. it sounds like some lights and stuff, he needs to look at his power supply, make sure the voltage are, are correct because a lot of those digital displays and stuff run off of like five volts and stuff. Right. So if they're not working, it could be a connection. So I wouldn't hesitate 
uh, or shy away from rechecking, especially guys. We talked about this when you move games and stuff. Great idea to reconnect and, and do some of those type of things. And you don't um, know what could have come unconnected from when you had it at your friend's house to the time you moved it here. Right. That's the big deal, like Tim is saying. So he's asking where to begin, where you want to start with power. And then you're going to trace that power. Now, if he is still playing blind and so forth, we got a video he can watch about games that play blind. And one and that, that might help one specifically him. on screen collapse as well. Right. That he probably and, needs to take and a that look will at. help us. I don't think we'll go into a lot of details as far as that because we don't know he hasn't got to that point yet. Right. He wants to write back and say, okay, I've got good power. We'll help him out a little bit more. Okay, sounds good. Now, so Tim, basically he needs to check his power supply, make sure he's getting good power, and then make sure all of his connectors are connected properly, that nothing came loose during the move. That's kind of the first step for him is what you're saying. We need to really narrow down what his problem is. Make sure it's not in his power. Right. Because, you know, guys, if your board is, is you're not getting, just like Chris above us, He's already telling us, I know i got a bad power supply. I'm not getting any. You can't get much further. It's the car battery. Right. Until you get the engine running, you can't tell how good everything else is until you get it started. And we have to get it started and make sure the power is correct. So, Ross, hopefully that answers your question. Let's start it powered. Make sure that you're getting good voltage to your board. And then also make sure that there are no connectors that look funky or came unplugged during your move. Start there. Get back with us. Let us know how it's going with your repair. Okay, Tim, let's move to Jason. And Jason says, I have a world-class bowling machine, and the screen starts sliding like halfway, and then it will proceed to slide back to normal, almost as if it is spinning in a circle. Also, I have three or four thin lines that appear. Any suggestions on what it could be? So, Tim, we got Jason here. He's got a world-class bowling. Great game. One of our favorites. Yeah. And he says it starts sliding about halfway, and then it will will proceed to slide back to normal. Tim, it really sounds like he's having a little bit of a hold issue here, doesn't it? Yeah, I think the... For most people's terminology, we would say scrolling. Right, scrolling, correct. The screen is scrolling. And we've seen them do that where it'll start doing it. They're like, oh, no. And and so um, he needs to watch our video. It talks about how to adjust a monitor. Because that could be like the one we had earlier that said, hey, I adjusted and it looks great. It could be the case. So he wants to check that kind of stuff first. Yeah, he's also talking about the three or four thin lines at the top of the screen that appear. Yeah, now that's what we commonly know, especially if it's a Wells Gardner 7000 series, right. that that's usually a, a capacitor, and specifically one right in the middle of the board, right? right. Yes. Uh, he definitely needs to do a cap kit, and the cap kit could help with some of the scrolling issues too. So good time to do a cap kit, then come back and try to do some adjustments, which you always have to do after doing a cap kit anyway. Right. So I would probably start, go ahead and cap it. Probably been a while since it's been done. That game's not getting any younger, right? So, <laughs> well, it's world class yeah. bowling's probably nineties, I yeah. guess, right? Early nineties, I think, on that one. So it was kind of the predecessor to Silver Strike, right? Which right. is the one that they have we'll, now. We'll go off topic. You know what? Yesterday was the twenty fifth anniversary of Baby Jessica that was down in the well. Wow, twenty five years. Now I made everybody feel old. <laughs> yeah. uh, but anyway, to, to to go back to it, yeah, I think he needs to cap it. Fix it and then adjust out that scrolling issue. Now, if he continues to have it, we all know that it could be pots, it could be uh, the other capacitors. We you know we could go a little bit deeper, but first let's start there. Let's start simple and do the cap kit, which it sounds like he needs. Now, if your brightness is turned up too high, yes, you will get some thin lines at the top too. So you can adjust your brightness and your contrast a little bit down. 
And there's guys, remember, there's two places to adjust your brightness. Usually there's one on your neck board or your auxiliary board. Right. Then there's also one on your flyback. So you might play with them. Again, we showed a video on that. I'm getting used to saying that now. You know, so we got a video on that. So watch those, and maybe those will help you out. Right. Now, if you don't count like the two-part videos, Tim, if you count them as their own videos... We have over 50 videos on Arcade Repair right. out there. And that's a great resource for those of you guys who you know aren't sure what's going on with your game. We have a lot of videos out there that can help you diagnose and repair certain issues with your game. Now, Tim, of course, we still have videos to shoot. We haven't done everything. No. But it is easy for us to go ahead and say, hey, we have a video on that. You need right. to check it out. So, Jason, hopefully I answered your question. Good luck with your world-class bowling here. Hopefully you'll get it working, but it really does sound like Tim said, cap kit time, and then do some adjustments. Should be good to go from there. Okay, Tim, let's move to George. And George says, Hi, I was wondering if you could help me with a problem I am having with a sit-down classic arcade machine. While you're playing the game, the screen will go black for a few seconds, and then the picture returns. The game continues to play, including sound when this happens. It is getting progressively worse. Any advice would be much appreciated. So, Tim, we have George here. He's got a sit-down classic arcade machine, but he doesn't say what it is. Right. So, I'm thinking, maybe he's thinking cocktail, even. Sure. Okay, but he's saying that it'll go black for a few seconds, and then it'll return. But he's saying that the game continues to play. He can, he's pretty sure that the game continues to play. Right. What's going on with George? What does he need to do to get his game working 100%? Well, the key phrases here is the game continues to play. So, right. that tends to let, let us believe that his board and everything is good and it doesn't have a uh, he doesn't mention any other problems so right. we hope that his power stuff like that is okay so we are looking at probably a monitor issue right and there's a couple things that i've seen happen and uh specifically you know we used to have a game at chuck e cheese it was called funny car right and it was actually a little car you sit down in and every day i would come in and it would the game would be down and i would be like Turn it on, work great, look good, play good. And then the next day, I'd come in and be down like, what is wrong with these people? There's nothing wrong with this game. And they would, they, that's what they would say. They'd say, well, this, after a while, it'd get warm, the screen would go back black, and then all of a sudden, it would come back on. And, well, you don't want to be doing that when somebody's playing it. Right. And eventually, I saw it, and then it eventually it went out. And what it ended up being was a filter capacitor in the power supply section of your monitor or in your b plus or whatever's area without a lot of technical mumbo jumbo which i'm not very good at anyway what's happening is you're losing some power right and then it's kind of cooling off and it's gaining so you need to do a cap kit on it first okay now somebody might say well if it's your flyback or something leaking you're leaking voltage and stuff you should normally hear that and he doesn't you know he doesn't hear that doesn't see any smoke or flames coming out of it. I'm thinking maybe a, a great time to go ahead and, and cap it. And that little filter capacitor that fixed it was a little bitty one. And uh, I think it was like a 1,000 mic. I mean, 100 mic. I'm sorry. 100, yeah. 100 microfarad. Sure. And uh, just a very little one. But when we put it in there, bam, you, the screen come right back on real fast. It was in the power supply section. Now, when I say that, I used to hate when people used to tell me that. Look in your power supply section. Right. Well, where's your power supply section? Well, you know, 
think logically. Where does the cord go in from power to your game? It's going to be near there. Right. Okay, so and it looks like a little transformer and stuff over there. It's going to be in that area. And there's usually a lot of capacitors in that area. Right. So kind of little, little ones, and some of them are a little bigger and whatever. I don't know what monitor he has. Well, if you're going to order a whole cap kit, though, just go just, ahead and do it. Just do right? the whole thing while you're in there. Exactly. Right. Well, another thing I would say is that I could see a cold solder joint doing this as well. And that it's making a connection, and then it's coming off, and then it's making a connection. Um, so while you're in there doing that cap kit, you might want to look for those as well. I took a picture one time when I was fixing my gyrus, because my gyrus had one bad cold solder joint on That's it right. that caused the whole thing to go out. That's and it's right. on the Facebook page. If you guys want to see that, maybe I'll post it somewhere else. But it's amazing what like a cold solder joint can do. So while you're in there doing that cap kit... Why not also touch up the solder on some of the other parts? As I well? have never worked on a monitor with Michael. The first one of the first things he does is just turns the monitor over and just starts touching up solder everywhere. Right. And uh, so, very, very great point, Jonathan. Good answer, too. So, George, hopefully that answers your question. Like Tim says, probably need to start with a cap kit on this. And while you're in there doing that cap kit, why not refresh some of our solder points, other solder points as well, just to make sure everything's making a good connection all around the board. If you do that, I think I think we're fairly confident you can get this game up and running. So, try that out. And, George, hopefully that answers your question. Get back with us if you have any more issues. Okay, Tim, let's move to Sean. And Sean says, the top one inch of my picture on a Atari Vindicators game is screwed up. Is this a problem with the cap in the vertical section of the board? I can't find any markings to tell me the model or manufacturer of the monitor board. So, Tim, we have Sean here, and he's got the top one inch is a little screwed up, he's saying, and he thinks it might be a cap in the vertical section of his monitor chassis, but he doesn't know what kind of make or model chassis he has. Okay. What do you suggest here for Sean? Well, you know, he can go to Bob Roberts' page and say, what's my monitor? Right, which we that, link to almost in every single podcast. Yeah, that's a really good page to start with. And uh, I think he's right. It could be a cap in that vertical section. Well, you know, sometimes you have to make your own cap kit. Sure. And uh, what you do is document which way it was facing. In other words, the stripe side being the negative, Or if it's it's written on the board, C418 or whatever it is. Make sure, take pictures. Right. We all got camera phones and stuff now. (laughs) I use mine every day. It's one of the greatest things. Uh, Go back and make it big and look in there. Anyway, so document where and then take take out a cap. And then you can usually purchase that at a, a local electronic store. Sometimes Radio Shack. Usually not. Cell phone shed doesn't carry that kind of stuff anymore. <laughs> but we, if he can send us a picture or something, we'll help him find it. But Bob Roberts' page really does help. And sometimes you can just email him a picture and say, hey, what monitor I have? And he, right. he knows. The What's My Monitor page on Bob Roberts' site is one of the best resources we have for identifying monitors. You don't have to have any markings on the chassis because he has pictures of pretty much every chassis you can think of there. And all you have to do is just go through those pictures and find the one that looks like yours. If you can do that, you can find a cap kit for it. Right. Okay. Or like Tim said, just go through and make your own. I mean, you know, go through, mark all your caps, what direction they're going, you know, pull them all out, mark which ones go where. And I mean, if you do that, then go up to your local electronics store. Here, Tim, we have Wiltronics as our local one. Right. But you might have one there or Fry's Electronics or whatever Fry's you have. or Tanner's or something. Right. So what you're going to do is look at the capacitor. There'll be some writing on the side. Mm-hmm. And those are those writings tell the uh, what kind of capacitor, what size, I guess you could say it is. And you go up there and say, I need one that's so many microfarads, so many volts. Yeah. That little U 
kind of symbol on there stands for microfarads. Right. And then the V will be voltage. So you can write those numbers down and you can order just those or write, make you a little cap kit list. Then turn around and order. Bob Roberts sells individual. He'll make right. you a cap kit. And it is important to note, too, when we're doing that, Tim, that we can go up in voltage, but we have to say have the same microfarad, correct? Yes. needs to be the same, but you can go up in voltage. So, in other words, if it's 35 volt, you can go up to 50 or 200 is fine, but you don't want to change the microfarad. You want to keep it the same. Right. So, Sean, hopefully it answers your question. Hopefully you can identify your monitor on the What's My Monitor page on Bob Roberts' site. But if not, you can build your own cap kit. Like Tim said, just document where the caps went and then take those caps if you want to desolder them and take them to a local electronic store or order them online and get you a whole set of them in and then just go back, solder them all in, and it should be basically the equivalent of what you'd do if you had a cap kit. So hopefully that answers your question. Good luck getting your Atari Vindicators game all up and running 100%. Okay, Tim, let's move to Josh. And Josh says, I have a black tiger with a dim screen. Does it need degaussing? I will sell it for $80. Josh from Newark, Ohio. All right. So anybody want a black tiger with a dim screen for $80? <laughs> not a bad deal. <laughs> no, I, thought, I think it's pretty good, you know? I mean, hey, black tiger, it's not the best jam of game. It's an old Capcom game. So it's pretty fun to play, but I mean, somebody out there probably take it off his hands for $80. But let's not tackle that part of it. Let's tackle the dim screen. Let's talk about some of the things that can cause a dim screen on a 90s JAMA arcade game. Right. Well, dirt, for one. Oh, yeah. You know, we don't mention this enough. Right. But one time, remember we were working at a local putt-putt. Right. And her her monitor just, man, you could barely see it. Right. And uh, we took the screen out and cleaned it. And it was so dirty that once we cleaned the screen, it made a world of difference. So... You know, we just don't mention that enough. Clean your screen will help, and and the glass in between you and the screen. Right. That'll help. So that's one thing. Right. Uh, We want to start simple, right? Then the next thing is you can, uh, the brightness may just need to be turned up. Sure. Uh, Contrast. uh, Contrast for for certain will help that. Or... Uh, most of the time, though, people just don't screw with that stuff much, except, for, well, like I did, but yeah, I would, but <laughs> right. the normal person just doesn't get a game and start turning knobs. Right. But if you if you know that uh, all the adjustments and everything are good, again, watch our video on that, then once the adjustments are good, then you probably need to do a cap kit or something. The question he says, does it need degaussing? Yeah. Well, um, degaussing... And we showed some videos on this. The gousing a lot of times will look like washed out colors. Right. Just not not the true color that they need to be. And what the gousing is, it's it's taking and spreading properly spreading the electrons, you know, and demagnetizing some stuff. If you've ever held a magnet to the back of something, it's going to cause a, an, a interference. interference and has some washed out colory looks and stuff. So um, you could call that dim. Right. And I'm not going to say that it wouldn't help uh, by, by all means if you got a degaussing but, yeah, wall. Yeah, I was about to say, but you wouldn't go out and buy a degaussing coil just for this particular issue. No, I would definitely try some other things first. And then uh, the first thing to, to clean it. So, But for 80 bucks, uh, Newark. Ohio, we got a lot of listeners out there. Somebody <laughs> should go get it. But Josh, you got a game, man. You uh, keep it and fix it, and then then yeah. 
charge 200 for it. And yeah. I would even say, if you want to take it a step further past the cap kit, Tim, maybe there's a flyback issue as well. Considering there's a brightness pot on the flyback, there might be some issues with that as well, even going that far. I mean, that's kind of taking it to the very edge, in my opinion. Yeah, but so. but, but all in the realm of possibility. Right. And then, and then on top of that, maybe you have a tube with just really, really bad screen burn. Yeah, you know that it, you're not going to get it any any brighter than what it is right now, kind of thing. You know, Maybe that happens from time but to time. One thing that would have helped more than anything is this, with this question, a picture oh, or yeah. a video or something. So, oh, yeah. anyway, thank you, Josh, for writing in though, and good luck selling your game and fixing it. That's right. So, Fix it and sell it for more. There you no go. Ho- yeah, hopefully that answers your question, Josh, and uh, good luck with whatever you decide to do with your game. <laughs> Okay, Tim, let's move to Brian. And Brian says, Jonathan, I have a multi-arcade machine, and recently the screen has started to shift during play. At some points, it breaks into a split screen. I have tried unplugging and restarting, but it seems to continue. This is my first machine, so I'm new to this. Any way to fix it? Thanks, Brian. So, Tim, I got a question. So, I, I'm not... Right. <laughs> you know, usually, I, I like, you know, uh, sometimes they'll address them to you, sometimes they'll address them to me, but I mean, it doesn't matter either way. Okay. But I noticed this one was addressed to me. I was like, okay. Either way, we're both going to answer it. So, Tim, he's got a multi-arcade machine, maybe a 60-in-1, who knows what it is at this point. And now the screen is starting to shift. So, and he says it even goes to a split screen at times. Okay. And so, I'm almost thinking maybe this is the scrolling issue that we were talking it about earlier. It sounds a lot like it. Right. And so, so um, definitely, I would start there, right? Yeah, and oh, uh, adjusting adjust the hold. it. Right now, if he's talking about if it's technically a split screen, in other words, everything is the same on both sides. Right now, we may have a board issue or something. Well, I was or, thinking even less than that. Let's say this is a PC-based multi-arcade machine. Okay, and then we're having frequency issues, right? Yeah, he did. Like decide. we're in, we're in. You know, maybe we're a medium res mode, even though we have standard res, or vice versa. I was assuming a sixty and one, but you're right. If it's PC based, right? He you or know, or maybe there's a jumper on the board for the for the different frequencies for the standard resolution versus medium res, and maybe he needs to move the jumper too. Maybe maybe it's or maybe it's jump. Maybe that jumper is just barely on there, and it's kind of switching between the two. You know, I mean, we never know. It could be something like that. But to be honest with you, let's start simple, Tim. Let's not get into all the all the res. Resolution frequency stuff. Let's just say probably need to adjust your hold first, and then if that doesn't work, then we'll move in some more difficult directions. I guess we could say. A so, picture would have been a thousand words on this one too. So send this one. There you go. So Brian, hopefully it answers your question. Does sound like at first let's just try to do the hold adjustment, and then from there we can start talking about maybe things like frequency resolution issues and things like that. So try that horizontal hold, Tim. Is that what it is? Horizontal hold adjustment. Yes. And then get back with us. Let us know if that fixes your issue. It could be a vertical. Yeah, could be vertical. You try they're both well. both holds are on your or on chassis. your chassis. So, okay, Tim, let's move to Chris. And Chris says, Jonathan, I recently bought an NFL Blitz '99 arcade game. The power turns on to a screen with text, not the game screen, ready to play, and says 1998 copyright, etc. After about 30 seconds, the game resets and the process starts again. I'm not particularly savvy with arcade games, and I would appreciate any advice, Chris. Tim, I got another one. <laughs> yeah. I'm too up on you, man. Well, I think this is, and this one's a great. <laughs> Great question for you, John. Sure, there you go. Because what is what did Midway do about that time come out with NBA Jams, all them? This game has a hard drive. Yes, now NBA Jam did it. Showtime did. Right. But yeah, but this, NFL Blitz does have a hard, hard drive, drive as well. Correct. Okay. So basically, when you look at a Blitz board, you're looking at a computer yes, without correct. a shell. Correct. And so when he says that it's resetting after 30 seconds and, and it's only coming up to the copyright, it's never 
processing the full uh, video, right? That that tends to make us think that he, hard drive. Yeah, he definitely have, probably has a hard drive issue. I would think. Right now, now Tim, not to not to discount power either. We got to always ASAP. start at power, right? Because it could be these kind of boards are very power hungry because of that. Mm-hmm. And so you know where we say you know you want to have your power supply right at five volts. You might want to tweak it just a little bit more for these guys because right. they do use a little bit more power. Another thing, Tim, that he can do is there is a power cable that goes from the board to the hard drive. He can test the power to make sure that the hard drive is getting power at that connector because right. it has the same kind of – usually the same color coding that we're familiar with. Our 12-volt line is going to be yellow. Our 5-volt line is going to be red, and then there's going to be a black one on there mm-hmm. for the ground. And you can – you know, basically, it's the same connector you'd have on a PC. Stick your multimeter in there. Check your 12. Check your 5 going to the hard drive and see if you're getting power to the hard drive because right. it could be that as well. But, Tim, I'm going to say – I'm going to go with what you – like we said earlier, always start at power. Let's try the power first. And make sure that that hard drive is getting power. Make sure the board is getting enough power. And then we'll start to suspect the hard drive at that point if we're getting power to it. I always like to put my hand on the, the kind of the back of my hand on the hard drive, see if I can feel it spinning. Right. And sometimes that that doesn't that's not a surefire way, but that's right. kind of a Tim way of if it ain't spinning, brother, really, you know something's wrong. <laughs> well, so. another thing is like if the power's not getting to it, like we said properly, exactly. and we, we've got a low twelve or a low five voltage going to the hard drive, we're going to have issues there. Or Tim, what happens over time? Power supplies give less voltage, right? Sure. And it could be what happened was is that the power supply started to give less, less, and less voltage. The hard drive starts trying to work off less and less and less voltage, and eventually just basically craps out because. That doesn't have the right voltage on it, and you know we've seen that in all sorts of different games, and it could be the same same point here. You know, always start at power, guys. That's going to be the first thing, and then, like Tim said, probably next step would be suspect the hard drive because it sounds like the board's working because it's trying to boot, mm-hmm. but it doesn't have anything to boot. Exactly. So try that out. I think that'll get his problem solved for the most part, Tim. So Chris, try out what we said and and let us know how it goes with your repair. Okay, Tim. Let's move to Lonnie, and Lonnie says, "I hope you guys are still answering questions." Believe it or not, we're still alive and we're still answering questions. <laughs> there you go. It might have been like six months. Might be some in, downtime in between, but we right. are. Thank you. <laughs> so there you go. He says, I recently bought an Altered Beast game. When I turn it on, everything is fine. After about a minute, the screen goes black. I can still hear the sound, so I know the game is still running. If I do nothing, the screen just stays black. If I use the joystick, I can see a vertical line flicker in the center of the screen. Thanks for your help. So, Tim, we have Lonnie here. And it sounds like at first he might have had just straight up playing blind. But now I think we're starting to get into the root cause and the fact that it does have the horizontal line. So now we're having some collapse issues. What do you think he needs to do to fix this one? Yeah, it sounds like that uh, he needs to watch our video on the collapse and and kind of go from there. Again, check power. Make sure that you are getting the right voltage up there. If the screen... Looks good, and then and starts to pulse like that, and starts to fade, and eventually that will go down to the go down to a line, and then out. Well, you got your vertical IC and your caps in that area. Mm -hmm. So sometimes before, if it hasn't completely failed yet, a lot of times people say go ahead and do the caps. Right, it might save that IC. Sure. So definitely, I would replace the caps in that area or do a cap kit on it. And again, like you were saying with Michael, I mean, you know, it could just be some cold solder joints as well. But in this particular instance, probably maybe not because. 
you know, it sounds like it's working for a while, then it collapses, and then, you know, we've had ones like that before. You hit the ground, they collapse. Right. Like, you stomp real close to it, it collapses. You stomp again, it comes back up. A lot of times, if it's doing that, back and forth, back and forth, it's a cold solder joint versus, versus like, an actual cap. But if you're saying it goes to that, and then it just collapses, and you can't get it back, I would think that the cap kit is probably the first thing to try. Might have to replace everything in the vertical IC. Yes. Okay. So hopefully, Lonnie, that answers your question. You know, it sounds like you just need to basically do some touch-up on your monitor here. Probably a cap kit to start off with. Touch up some solder on it. And I think that'll get him back to where he needs to be. Right, Tim? Yes. Okay. Okay, Tim, let's move to Seth. And Seth says, I seem to be having a bit of ghosting on the right side of my screen. When I adjust the horizontal position all the way to the left, it gets rid of it. I recently replaced the caps and flyback transformer, which really improved my picture. But now I have this issue. Any help would be greatly appreciated. So Tim, he's saying he has ghosting. Now I don't, I don't know what he means by ghosting. I don't know. Maybe he's talking about like uh, maybe the colors are starting to run. Yeah. That kind of ghosting, or is he having like a dark section of his monitor? Right. I'm not sure which one it is. If it's if it's bleeding colors, it might be that he just needs to do some color adjustments to get that out after his cap kit. Mm-hmm. If it's ghosting, like like true, what I think of get this ghosting with like dark sections kind of on the monitor, it almost sounds like maybe there was a cap that you forgot to replace or something to that effect. Right. So, I don't know. What do you think, Tim? Well, yeah, it depends on the definition of ghosting or... The or only de- other thing, or it depends on your definition of is. Yeah, is that how <laughs> or it could be that um, I don't know if he messed with any of, of the on the neck board. You know, if he messed with the, the yokes, yeah, or oh, anything, yeah, yeah, yeah. possibly convergence the convergence rings. If he messed with some of that, but boy, that's just something you don't really want to go there without. Um, but it, the ghosting, I think, could just be as contrast or something. Right. Right, and especially after a cap kit, like you said, maybe just a little adjustment on it. Right, because what, what might have happened, Tim, and we've seen this a lot, is that, okay, so like now dude isn't getting red on his screen, but instead of doing a cap kit, what does he do? He turns up his red all the way. Yeah. Okay, so what happens when you replace the cap kit? Now that red's up all the way... And it didn't look, it looked fine before because the cap was failing, but now you've replaced all the caps, you're getting these bleeding colors everywhere because he tried to adjust it out instead of doing exactly. the cap kit on it. And so that could be the case here in Seth's, in Seth's instance is the fact that, you know, maybe, maybe they turned up those colors or turned up that contrast to compensate for the bad failing caps. And now once you did the cap kit, now you're having the problem because you need to adjust those down. So Seth, try those adjustments first. And then after that, if you're still having problems, maybe go back through, make sure that you got all your caps right and see if there's any that you didn't replace during your cap kit. Try to replace those as well. Okay, Tim, let's move to Alex. And Alex says, hi, I have a Marvel Superheroes cabinet with a Molex style power supply. It stopped powering up after a move. After checking the power supply with my multimeter, I read 120 volt coming out of the AC lines, but nothing coming out of the DC connector. No 12, no plus 5, no negative 5 output. Should I replace the power supply? I read somewhere that I need to put the DC voltage under load in order to properly read it. Is that true? Thanks, Alex. So Tim, we have Alex here. He's got a Marvel Superheroes, and he's got a power supply, and he's reading his AC line on the power supply, I assume. Right. And it's saying 120, but when he tries to read the other lines, assuming yeah, that he's, assuming he's putting his multimeter on DC voltage when he's doing that, of course. Right. That he's getting absolutely nothing. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, does he have a bad power supply? Does he need to replace it? Well, you know, before we replace anything, we want to check into it. Especially because, yeah, that would be a quick fix. If you have another one, I would definitely... To try that right but most power supplies have a fuse an internal fuse correct usually a very small fuse 
Uh, and they do, if they get some kind of, uh, of feedback or something, they'll blow. Right. So I would check the fuse and try to replace it first. Okay. Because you may just, it may not be completely dead. It may just need a fuse. Right. There are guys that totally rebuild them. Right. But to me, if they're around 20 bucks, and it's just not worth the time. Right. Now, but you can, you can treat a, a power supply just like a monitor and do a cab kit and stuff on it. And yeah. that sometimes will bring them back to life. If you're just really determined to fix it, right. you can do that. But for most time, it's just not time cost effective. Just go ahead and replace it. So that's what I would do. I would open it up, see if the fuse, check the fuse. If the fuse is blown, replace it and then see if uh, that helped. Other than that, his second question he asked Sean was, "Does it need to be under a load?" And that that's something how we it seems like when we start answering questions, we get a little theme going. Yes, it's weight. You do need to check it both without a load and with a load and see if there's any variance there. But here's the thing: if you're not getting anything without a Nothing, load, yeah, you're you're probably not going to get anything with a load. That right? is true. <laughs> so I'm with you though. Normally, you're correct. Like if we have if we have power going to a game and we want to test our power supply. It's best to test it at the harness is what we usually say. Because, you know, the harness is where the power's coming into the board, and that's where we find out, really, if we're getting 5 volts through the entire cabinet. Or you can test it at the power supply, but, you know, harness is a good place to test it, too. But in this particular case, he ain't getting nothing. Right. Okay, so, I mean, and, if he's not getting anything... And make sure, like you said, that you are switching it from AC to DC voltage on your multimeter. Right. And let me make a plug real quick before I forget... Have Controls has a really good multimeter. I'm saying for our purposes. It's not a fluke. Right. Okay, but it's a decent multimeter. Fluke for, is in brand, not for fluke like, is in uh, fluke. Yeah. <laughs> like a, uh, it's like $13 or something. Uh-huh. I, I don't have the number in front of me. Maybe I'll look it up here in a second. But you guys call HAP. Say, I heard you had a multimeter. It's only this month. Right. You have a multimeter for like 13 bucks. Tim at Arcade Repair Tips said, and... Uh, you know, put in a good plug for since we're providing them a yeah. lot of business these days. When you said you were going to put a plug on here, I thought that you were going to grab the cord on my Soul Caliber behind us oh. and put a plug on here. I didn't realize. <laughs> I'll put a plug for this um, multimeter that's on sale. I meant to mention that on the Facebook page and stuff because it's a really decent meter. Good. So, is it, it? Does it have like? Do you have to switch it for the different voltages? Does it have like the the little uh, ranges, or yes. is it just? It does have its range. I'm pretty it's range sure it does. That's not bad. I'm though. looking it up. Okay. So there you go, Alex. So hopefully answers your question. Like Tim was saying, I mean, you definitely want to check the fuse that's in the power supply because that's going to be a big deal. But, you know, if it is bad, you might just think about buying a whole new one instead. I mean, or just replace the fuse. It's up to you. So try those out. Let us know what you come up with. Hopefully you can get your Marvel superheroes working pretty soon. It's a good question, though. Yeah, definitely. Okay, Tim, let's move to Joshua. And Joshua says, Hi, Jonathan. Awesome site and great job on all the advice you've provided. I just bought a used tabletop arcade machine, nine games, and the whole image is constantly wobbles up and down. It's only slides, maybe just a pixel each way, but it's pretty annoying. Any ideas? Thank you. So, Tim, now I'm three up on you. Wow. <laughs> apparently, apparently, everybody's addressing their mail to me tonight. That's the okay. <laughs> But, hey, we like your questions. It doesn't matter who you send them to. Send more to Tim, though, for next time. I'm just saying. <laughs> okay, so we have Joshua here, Tim, and he's got another a used tabletop arcade machine. I'm assuming more like a cocktail. And he's saying the whole image just constantly wobbles. And, you know, like, I've seen that before in some games. Like, you get this wobbling. Mm-hmm. What causes that? I mean, have you seen that? Is, is it, like, um, are we having, like, power supply issues with wobbling? Or are we having, like, uh, maybe monitor chassis issues, something like that? 
boy, it, you know, any he's getting some interference or something. Right. And I would uh, I'll just always start simple. Make sure that your ground plug is, is good. Right. Make sure that, you know, it's properly grounded. Uh, check your wiring and stuff. But then it just could be could be a power supply that's starting to starting to fail. Check your voltages. Make sure they're all good. Uh, could be a monitor issue with a cold solder joint. That's really right. kind of that makes me think that, especially where the power's coming in. A B B plus section. Uh, boy, it's just a, a a lot of things that could be. And and here's our way of troubleshooting games. We'll and we'll we talk about this a lot. Sometimes when you don't know what it is, rule out what it's not. Correct. So if you got a different JAMA board you can put in, let's rule out the board. If everything does it with that monitor, rule out the monitor. If you got a different power supply you can put in there, let's rule out the power supply. So those are some things. Try the game in a different location. Right. A different plug. Uh-huh. We've actually had games before, Jonathan, and I was just like really couldn't figure out what's wrong. And we'd had a, a crazy floor plug. Sure. That was just, you know, not not right. Or, or reading some kind of crazy voltage like 80 volts or something right. instead of 120. Sure. It would come on, but, you know, it just wasn't right. Right. That, that's just some things that I would check. Okay. So, Joshua, hope, hopefully that answers your question. You know, check some of your different things. Grounding, I think, is a big one with Tim. You know, check your grounding. Check your power supply. Just do some initial checks. You know, check your uh, just power kind of around the game and inside and the grounding inside the game. Make sure that everything's working smoothly there. And then get back with us. Let us know what you come up with. Okay, Tim, let's move to Richard. He posted this comment on our Working with Nintendo Arcade Games post, and he says, My question is simple. If I was using a switching power supply, would 120 volts AC hurt my board in any way compared to 100 volts AC? And Tim, this comes in. This comes into play because obviously Nintendo games like to work off 100 volts AC on the inside of them. They actually switch it around. And so, Tim, basically, if he had a switching power supply, would 120 volts AC hurt his board in any way compared to 100 volts AC? Well, you got to think of what the AC does and what right. it what it actually pow- goes power to your monitor, correct? Power to your lights, correct? And power to your switching power supply, correct? Okay. So, you know, will it hurt his board? Well, that depends on his switching power supply. Correct. Because your board doesn't run off of... It runs like 12 and 5 volts DC DC that have been switched. And so, thereby, uh, if this was a... He says it's a Nintendo game. It shouldn't hurt his board. Right. But it may not power everything that he needs... And he's watch our video real real carefully about that. We shot a video, and and what he's going to need to do is you can run a switcher. You're just going to may have two plugs running out of your game. One going to your monitor that's 100 volts through through that system, or uh, and another one going to that switcher. Right. That's what yeah, people have done. Let's talk about that for a second. Let's talk about our video just just for a second for Richard here. In our video, what somebody did was they actually took the AC power coming off a transformer in the game. Mm-hmm. And hooked it up to a switching power supply, and then supplying power to the board. The problem was, is that the power was always go, already going through the transformer, which meant that that switching power supply was getting a hundred volts AC. The problem was, is that switching power supply could not run off of a hundred volts AC. Right. It was made to run off one hundred twenty. So what we had to do is we had to splice in to the one hundred twenty volt line before it got to the transformer and changed it, and then hook up our switching power supply to that line. Right. Because if we didn't do that, there's no way the switching power supply would run at all. Okay? And so you're asking, like, if we ran off 100 volts, would it harm anything? 
Well, more than likely, depending on what kind of switcher you have, it won't run at all off 100, 100 volts at all. True. Just because it doesn't have, it, it doesn't accept that kind of power. But 120 volts is what it's designed to do. And as long as you can catch the power lines before they get to that transformer, you should be getting that 120 volts to the wall. And Tim, I think that should hopefully help Richard out with what he's thinking here. Not really sure, just off the top of my head. But hopefully that, yeah, that will help explain it to him a little bit better than what we should maybe even show in the video. So, what do you think about that? I think you're you're right on the money. We don't exactly. Uh, it's kind of a hard. It, it's an he says it's an easy question. It's actually kind of a hard question because we don't know what he's trying to do, kind of with right, it. Right. But at the same time, Richard, maybe some of the stuff we said is click something, or you can go back and watch our video. It really makes sense if he watches that video. Maybe it will help him some. There you go. So Richard, hopefully answers your question, and good luck with any repairs you might have in the future. Okay, Tim. Let's move to Artemeo. And he says, hello, I have a chassis with a horizontal width potentiometer, but it's not doing anything. It used to work, but now the image is too wide. I cannot find any burnt components so far. Do you have an idea where I should be looking at? All the other horizontal controls work all right. Hmm. So, Tim, we have Artemeo here. He's got a chassis with a horizontal width potentiometer, but it does absolutely nothing. So, Tim, what could be going wrong? Does he need to replace his potentiometer? Is there some other issues he could be having? Well, that would be a great place to start. Right. Um, but a, a lot of times it's the coil that goes bad. Right. And uh, he doesn't mention that he's messed with the coil. Right. And I know that in some of our videos we've, we've shown that before. Correct. Um, you definitely need a tool to do that with. Uh, to adjust that with a lot of people use an Allen wrench, bad idea. <laughs> right. Um, TV alignment tool. Yeah, TV alignment tool. Which we have it, links to on our site. You know, if you look at our video or post on adjusting a horizontal width coil, you guys will see it. So right, we need to need to watch that uh, video. Maybe that'll help him some. Uh, because he says all the other horizontal controls. I'm assuming he's talking about like the shift, right, and hold, stuff like that. Hold. So it could be a potentiometer. You, we shot a video on reading potentiometers. You could test those uh, based on what kind of potentiometer uh, we're talking about, what kind of monitor we're talking about. So it could simply be that. But more than likely, I'm wondering if his uh, width coil didn't go out or if it's just open. Right. And he, if he could try to change it, but he may need to replace it too. Okay, sounds good. So Archimedes, hopefully that answers your question. You could try replacing your prop first, kind of the first point of attack to see if that does anything. But like Tim said, you might have to just go ahead and replace the horizontal width coil as well. So try both those things out. Get back with this Let us know where you go from there. And check your uh, those polypropylene caps in oh, there. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. You know, if there are any of that are real, they can blow up like ticks. And, you know, <laughs> if you see something that are really big, you right. know, I always want, I always want to chew some chiclets gum when I see them. <laughs> they just get, you can kind of tell, you can read them with a meter and all that stuff, but if you see some of them that are kind of abnormal, right. that may, may help too. Okay. Now, Tim, I'm going to take a little pause break here. Were you able to find the multimeter that we were talking about from HAP Controls? Their side is down. Their side is down? Their side is down for maintenance. So I'm like, well, that didn't do us oh, any great. good. So well, yeah, it had to be we'll during our podcast, here. right? Yeah, right here in this. <laughs> I, I, I don't know if I've ever seen Well, guys, we'll down. put a link to it in there so you guys can find it. Now, Tim, do you know? You said it's only this month, right? So it's Yeah, it's, for- a, it's a sale item. So if you call them... Uh, and ask for, tell them you saw that there was a meter. There's only one meter in their sales ad. Okay. And so tell them it was, it was like $13 or something. 
if you're needing a meter, maybe they'll tell you the, the item number. I don't have the sales paper in front of me. I just noticed it and wanted to mention it. Okay. And again, you can either go to HapControls.com or SuzoHap.com, which is actually the site it redirects you to now. We right. still call them Hap Controls just because sure. of you know how long we've been around, I think, more than right. anything. But SuzoHap.com is actually the website, and we'll put a link to it. Hopefully, it'll be up by the time that we post our show, Tim. So let's go ahead and move on with our questions, though. And the next one's from Dave. And Dave says, okay, I have an odd problem. I have a 27-inch Neotech NT-27E monitor in my Rush the Rock arcade game. There's a small remote board with many small pots on it to adjust the monitor settings. I unplugged the board to test the pots with a multimeter, and when I plugged it back, there was no picture, but the rest of the game functions fine. Can anyone help me with this problem? I have tried to adjust all the pots, but with no luck. Okay. So, Tim, he, he has basically this Neotech monitor. He has the remote board. He unplugged it and then plugged it back in, and he's getting no picture now. Now, I hope he didn't do this with the monitor on. Yeah. That's like my number one thought. Right. Yeah. Right? You should have turned your monitor off when you did it. Also, make sure that you plugged it back in correctly. Right, because sometimes those things can be hooked up like different different directions as well. Sometimes those connectors are a little funky. So he's tried to adjust the pots. He's not getting anything on the screen. He's still not getting anything on the screen. So, Tim, what do you suggest here for his Neotech? Yeah, it sounds like he, he costs a short somewhere. So yeah. check your fuse on if you have some fuse on that. I'm not super... I should be familiar with it. I've seen plenty of those monitors. Yeah. A but good question here is, is he getting any high voltage at all, right? Right. I mean, is he actually getting high voltage? Is he seeing his, you know, the little neck glow that we talk about so often? Mm-hmm. I mean, because if he's not, I would think, like you're saying, he probably blew the fuse whenever he plugged the board back in or whatever it is. But if he is getting high voltage, then it, it might be more related to something, you know, between the board and, or between his board and the chassis, or it could be something in his chassis as well. I mean, you know, yeah. but. I'm going to actually say that if it's not as simple as a fuse, this would be a great time for him to email Michael. This would almost go over my, my head. Right. A little bit, because I've, I've never heard of this. It's kind of a strange question, but a great question, Dave. I appreciate you writing in. Maybe somebody would know when, after listening to the podcast that run across that. Uh, just sounds to me like either he plugged something in wrong or while doing it with the power on, just uh, a lot of stuff like that. Make sure you turn your power off before you do those such things. Right. And like I said, the but biggest... he was he was messing with it for a reason, too. Right. See, we don't we don't get to. And sometimes the root cause, it, you know, maybe it was about to go out and it just it was that time. Right. And uh, it could have blown the hot. Yep. Or if it's not, if the fuse is good, or the fuse is blown, or it could have blown the hot, or something like that in the power supply area. So now you, we need to look at games playing blind video, and that might help him some. Definitely, since he is, that's how he's playing blind. Right. So Dave, time to check that video out and kind of check some of the stuff in that section. Like Tim said, start with the fuse. I think you know you could have blown the fuse whenever you plug the board back in. It's a great observation. If not, you definitely want to check some of the high voltage sections of your monitor. And hopefully he can get that game up and running soon. And and Tim, like you said, Michael's probably more the expert on this particular issue. So mm-hmm. again, Dave, you might want to also email Michael as well and see if he can help you out. That's tvrepaironline.com. Michael at tvrepaironline.com. Mm-hmm. Okay, Tim, let's move to Rob. Now Rob says, greetings. I recently acquired a 1982 Mr. Do arcade game. Tim, you remember playing Mr. Oh, Do? Oh, yeah. Okay. The game works, but... The video on the left side of the screen curls over onto itself. If I adjust the center hold pot, it starts to uncurl, but I can't turn the pot enough to completely uncurl the video. Any help or suggestions would be appreciated. Rob. So, Tim, 
Sounds like some of the stuff that we've had tonight already. What do you yeah. think he needs to do here? Well, to be in the fact that it's a 1982 game, though, we probably has a Geo 7 in it. That is true. And now, if you go to Bob Roberts' site, you'll say that read about the Geo 7 curl. Right. And he has a fix for that. And sometimes that helps. Right. I'll be honest with you. There is some curling that you just about can't get out. Right. But uh, if it's a Geo 7 monitor, there is a fix. It was a known problem. And uh, there's some stuff that you got to do. And Bob walks you through it and will send you the stuff or tell you how to do it. I believe, you know, uh, just watch it. it. I know where the page is. We'll link to it in the show notes for this. So if you're listening... Well, definitely. Because uh, they we'll will not adjust out right. without doing that upgrade to the mod, the mod right. to it. Correct. So, so you definitely do that. So do the mod, anything if else? If it's then? not a Geo 7, it's a different game, uh, and you can't adjust it out, then uh, maybe you need to p- replace your pot or some of those capacitors and things in that horizontal area area maybe but i bet you it's a geo 7 just the fact it's a 1982 mr do right geo 7 real popular back for that vertical game like that sounds good so rob hopefully answer your question we'll be posting a link to bob roberts site with the geo 7 curl stuff so you can yeah. take a look at that and hopefully that'll help you out with solving this if it's issue. not a geo 7 let us know we can go from there sounds good okay tim let's move to john and John says, hi, I have one of these monitors in my cab. And Tim, he sends us a link. I don't know if you had a time awesome. to check that out, but you can take a look at it. He said, I made the mistake of fiddling with the pots like the pincushion, trapezoid, etc. And now the whole geometry of my picture is uneven and I can't get it lined up again no matter how much I try adjusting the different pots. I can get one side of the picture square, but then the other star- side starts to curve. Is there any way I can get it restored back to its original settings or can I get the picture squared up again? Any help would be greatly appreciated. Thanks in advance, John. So, Tim, he's got this chassis, and it says something like Rototron, I guess made in Taiwan. I'm not yeah. really sure. Uh, I've never heard of it before. Are you familiar with this company or no, this monitor at all? No, I've never seen this before, but... Now, apparently it has some advanced features, such as the pin cushion and the trapezoid and some of the other different when things. He, when he's saying that, that is also telling me that it's probably a digital monitor. Correct. I was about to say the same thing. Well, digital monitors often have hidden menus and stuff. Correct. I don't I don't know maybe if you can get them to send you a, a manual or something or we can ask them or try to find them a manual what well, a lot of times where they have hidden menus where you go like hold select and something else up or something and then you'll go into there and you can go in and it has a lot more things with your pin cushion and stuff but he, he says, might have like a full factory reset under one of those yes, menus is what you're saying that, that'd be my without knowing much more about that monitor I, it doesn't look that old, so I can't believe that they're not uh, able for tech support. And, right. You know, I would I would try to give them a call. Yeah, or, definitely. Well, it may be because he got it, and it's an overseas monitor, but um, I don't really... I'm, I'm not going to even just pretend like I know uh, more about that when I don't. <laughs> right, exactly. That's we, what I, mean, I would do. Okay, sounds good. So, you know, he probably needs to get in contact with the manufacturer, get the monitor... Manual is what you're saying, and then see if he can access some of the other menus in there. Maybe there's one in there that'll do a full factory reset for him, is what yeah. you're thinking. Because now, I've done that before with one, that's why I'm saying that. Right. I'm not just brushing him off here. I've got mine so screwed up, and like you said, had to go in at uh, no particular the Wells Gardner D9200 monitor. Right. And I went in and they gave me like a factory reset when I did. And kind of fixed up everything I had already yeah. messed up. And, and Tim, it might be a good a good time here to just say, you know, guys, if you're going to buy new monitors, 
don't go cheap, right? Stick yeah. with the major brands. You know, yeah. I mean, we hate to say that, right. but I mean, guys, I mean, these are your games that you're talking about. I you want them to last. Heard, a, yeah. Never heard of no Rototron. So, yeah. So, uh-huh. I mean, if you want them to last a long time, maybe invest a couple more bucks and get the nicer monitor. Get the Wells Garner or get the, you know, Betson Imperial, whatever Something you got. Something that you, you know. can get support for, even right. the HAP controls. Somebody, they're going to support their monitor. Right. Especially with and our what, I'm asking, I'd like to know how where he got it. Yeah. Because a lot of those bets and imperial and half controls they have internal tech support and if you call a lot of times they'll be they'll help you right because they want to sell you the parts right <laughs> that's right so john hopefully answered your question like tim why says, do we help people well i don't know <laughs> i guess we want to sell some dvds that's right <laughs> we just like helping people that's right exactly hey hey we're free right I that's mean, right on, you know. but john hopefully answered your question and good luck fixing your rototron monitor and hey if you get if you get if you hear us you know doing the podcast and everything send us an email let us know where you got it from for sure we're yeah. very curious so and if you fixed it what the answer was definitely so let Teach us me something john <laughs> <laughs> that's right so let us know john and keep us posted on your repair okay tim let's move to jason and Jason says, I have seen a couple of your videos on YouTube and I have a question. I have been attempting to repair a Golden T 2K arcade console. I have had to replace the TV tube and video controller. When I hooked everything back up, I get a very wavy, distorted picture. I can make out the text and colors, but I cannot get the video to sync properly. Is there any information you could share or anything I could check to troubleshoot this issue? Thanks. So Tim, we have Jason here. He's got a Golden T 2K. And he said he replaced the TV tube and the video controller. Okay, so, with what? That's I don't what know. I would almost like to know. With what? That should be a, a gold, Golden T2K. 2K is a single board, non-computer based. Right. We have a couple of them. Right. But and it may have a VGA them. plug coming out of it. I, I think, I don't know if that board has it or not. I don't know if they start adding, I, I want to say they start adding those after Golden T4. Okay. But, because so, I think Golden T4 is where they went more PC like. But it does sound like he has a sync issue. Yes. And so it could be just simple uh, moving around. We shot a video on that. When we did uh, talked about replacing an arcade monitor, correct, and we showed some sync issues we were having and how we fixed it. So I would definitely. He said he saw a couple of our videos. We might not have seen that one, right? Since we do have fifty of them, you know. So <laughs> you know uh, that would be a great one on replacing an arcade monitor. We show some sync issue. Isn't that on, on yes, that video, do. right? Yeah. Okay. And we talk about a little bit about positive sync, negative sync, tying them together if you need to, separating them if you need to, whatever the case may be for your particular monitor. And here's the thing, Tim. Anytime you replace a monitor. You're gonna. You might have some issues getting that sync wiring or wiring in general yeah. because hardly any of them seem like they're wired the same unless you get the exact same make and model. True. Even even some Wells Garners that are the exact same brand have different wiring. Schemes. Go figure, right? Yeah. So, so I mean, you really have to it's be probably just. It's, about that. You're, you're probably not far off. You just need. To, you, he said it wouldn't sync. Right. And that's the problem. Yeah, it's the sync wires. Either it needs. Depends on what kind of sync your mon- your new monitor yeah. doesn't list what kind of monitor. Maybe your other is. one took a composite sync with both of them in one wire, and this one only takes a positive sync or right. whatever it is. I mean, it could be something to that effect. I'm with you, Tim. You need to check out our video on replacing an arcade monitor, and then check out some of those sync issues that we're having, and hopefully that'll know what out. kind of monitor it is, and then you can. Or you can get a manual to it and figure out what kind of sync your monitor requires. Right. It'll show you the pinouts in there. See, the, the guys, one thing we we say stuff sometimes, Sean, I know it's going over some people's head and other right. people it's probably too simple for, but 
you know, when we're talking about sync, you have what kind of sync does your game put out? Right. And what kind of sync does your monitor require? Correct. So you've got to put them two together, and sometimes it's just a, a combination of, of trying things. But you don't have voltage up there, so, you know, it's sometimes trial error. Watch that video, because that's exactly what we do. Well, here's the thing. We, we know that he's got a JAMA game, because we know he's got Golden T2K. I don't want to spend too much time on this, but I do want to mention this. So we know it only has one sync wire. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be a question of whether his monitor takes two sync wires, or whether it takes the one sync wire, or maybe he's got the sync in the ground swapped, or the sync in the red and green, and the wiring's all wrong, or right. something to that effect. So he's got to check that. I think getting the mo- uh, manual for his monitor is going to be a top priority to make sure that he's got it wired properly. So True. So Jason, hopefully that answers your question. Hopefully with just a little bit of research here about which monitor you have and some wire changes, we can get your Golden T2K back up and running very soon. Okay, Tim, let's move to Chad. And Chad says, I have a Super Mario Brothers Versus cabinet that I believe has the Sanyo 20EZ monitor in it. It has vertical collapse and I can play blind. I took the chassis out and the solder appears to be good. What would the charge be to have you folks look at it? I am in Ohio. Can you recommend someone local? Tim, a lot of Ohio collectors tonight, yeah. right? I, I mean, that's, that's good. good. It's yeah. good to yeah. hey, Y'all you know? need to get together. That's right. Everybody, you have like a Ohio game room show or something right. like that. I mean, it sounds like it. But anyway, so Tim, let's talk to, talk about Chad for a minute. He believes he has a Sanyo monitor in there. He's probably right because mm-hmm. it is a Nintendo game. And so he's got vertical collapse and it's playing blind. Okay, okay. so this is probably something your cap kit, your standard cap kit is probably not going to fix this, right? Probably not. Right, but we do have a video, again, right. on, on repairing monitor collapse that he probably needs to take a look at. And why not fix it? Why not give it a shot? Right. For 20 bucks or less, you could at least give it a shot before you pay somebody else. Because he Another asked, what is- would we charge? About two, two grand. <laughs> About two grand? Yeah. Well, I want to go up there. I want a hotel. Okay. I want some food and some entertainment. Oh, he can't and ship the chassis here, huh? Oh No, I was going to go work on it. Oh, okay. I don't want to ship it in here. I we're not, do, we're no longer it. doing shipping orders. You yeah. have to fly us out to do the repairs. And you can't send it. We do have links on our page for people who do. We got some great guys on our Facebook page who Correct. will repair it. Correct. Uh, Michael's available. So we, we just don't do it. And people, I, I guess if you ask why, we just don't have, we barely have time to squeeze some podcast in. As is evident. And our goal has always been to, when we quit doing more repairs, was to just share the knowledge. Right. And so people ask all the time, why don't you do this, why don't you do that? I have a full-time job. I have a, a family and things at church and stuff. I just do not have that much time. Right. But I do want to make some time to share some knowledge and hook up some people who need them the work. Right. Uh, Chad at Arcade Repair Cup. You know, there's Arcade Cup. Yeah. Uh, Arcade Cup. And, uh, Michael. Michael at TV Repair Online. We have heard nothing but great things about Michael whenever he gets a chassis. And apparently, he does follow-ups too, Tim, because I've had several people leave us comments saying that Michael followed up with them after he sent them back to chassis. Yeah. So, you see, Michael will not only fix your chassis, send it back to you, but he'll also follow up with you. To make right. sure that everything's working good. And Tim, here's the thing though. This guy's obviously not scared. Because he took the chassis out. Yeah. He said all the solder looks good. There you go. Half yeah. the battle's taking the chassis out. That's right, Chad. So why not go ahead and go a step further, replace those that vertical section right. and fix it, fix your game. Right. And then you can brag to your friends about how awesome you are. That's right. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so Chad, hopefully it answers your question. Yes, you can get you can get something fixed. Tim will come down to or come up to Ohio for yeah. two thousand dollars, three thousand dollars. He'll 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 take care of it for you. But why not fix it yourself? 
You know, you can also I mean, you can ship it off. It's almost Christmas, fifteen hundred. Fifteen hundred. Oh, right. okay. There you go. He'll give you. But the I discount. want you to come with me. So it's, uh, three thousand. Okay, three thousand. Okay. <laughs> anyway, no, uh, we we really would like to get some people the business. Uh, we have enough on our plate, but 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 by all means, uh, let us know how it goes and, and try to fix it though. Save yeah. some money, you know. Yeah, and it's good to know this stuff anyway, like we were talking about. So, Chad, hopefully, I answered your question. Good luck with your repair, or if you get somebody to repair it for you, you know that's good too. You know, his last name could be Gates though, and he just has <laughs> the money. I'm, I'm okay with it. I'll do it. <laughs> there you go. Could be Gates. Yeah, could be the money same. bags. Could so. be. Okay, let's move on here. Uh, next one we got is Cameron. Cameron says, Hi guys, love the website. It's helped me out a lot in the last year. I bought a Namco cab a couple of months ago. I plugged it in and it's been working fine for the last month. One day I turned it on and now everything on the screen is squished with a horizontal line running through it. Any ideas on what this could be, where I should look, and how to start? Thanks. Yep. Okay, stop. <laughs> he's, got, he's got a video here. He's got right. an update. Here's an update. I'm thinking it may be something with the potentiometers on the board that control color, V-Sync, and H-Sync. The reason I think this is because if I unplug it and connect it, it works fine for a bit, then the fault appears. Please see attached video. Thanks. Cameron's new here, isn't he? Yeah, I think okay. so. I think <laughs> now, so. Cameron, I, I don't, you definitely, I like this guy's attitude. He's trying stuff. It's working. But when it's doing that, you're starting to collapse. Right. And we need, you need to look at our video on that. And so we really go into some details that is on DVD number two. Right. If you don't have that DVD, think so? that probably would really help him there. But I don't think that, uh, I've never heard of the, the, you can't make, here's the reason why it wouldn't be a potentiometer. I can't adjust my potentiometers and make that happen. Right. That is correct. So that that's why it's not probably going to be that. If I can't replicate it, then it's probably not that. That's a very good and, point. And if, I never if, thought about it like that. If it could that, be but... done, I would do it. <laughs> I would have already done it. But we do so, have a video, as yes. you used to mention, on monitor collapse mm-hmm. that you should probably take a look at, Cameron. Yes, that will help you a lot, Cameron. But let us know. Yeah. Now, it could be that whenever he's doing the unplug-in and, and re-plug-in thing, that it, you know, it's... It's moving it in just the right position that he's getting everything kind of harmonious for a second and it all just kind of works, but, you know. Not likely. Not likely, so. Cameron, hopefully answers your question. Check out our video on, on monitor collapse and see if that helps you out. Okay, Tim, let's move to Rob. Rob says, hi there. I have an original dedicated Dig Dug. I recently started getting stripes on the characters and text. What would cause this? Bad caps or possibly bad ROM chip? It's hard to get pictures on my cell phone, but I can if needed. So Tim, it's kind of it's kind of hard. The pictures might be needed here, Rob, yeah. because it's kind of hard to visualize. I know with Dig Dug, I've seen kind of like graphics glitch lines before, yeah. kind of like jail bars on what you'd have, right. you know, on uh, like Donkey Kong, like in graphics. And if it's a graphics glitch, a lot of times it can be either RAM or ROM chips on your board that are having issues. Mm-hmm. Um, but if it's if it's more like diagonal straight lines that are kind of running on your monitor screen, then we're looking. More like a monitor issue. Tim, I mean, what do, what do you think here? Yeah, first thing I was going to say is, is it just in, like the dig dug is hard because it fills the whole screen. Correct. You know, if you could adjust it down a little, and do you still see the line past the area, then right. maybe it's a cap. Right. Yeah, then just really stretching here. If not, it could be uh, um, it could be either or. Right, it really could. But it depends on if it's a jail bars looking. 
there's a pattern kind of right. It's real, real even and stuff. Those caps are starting to fail. If it's a ROM chip, you may usually you have a lot of them, right? So it would usually just affect one area. Right. Now maybe something or, that or may, certain times of this game. Maybe there's a key here, Tim, that we're we're overlooking. Okay. He says it's only on the characters and the text. Ah. He didn't say anything about the background. Okay. There. That that is the key. So maybe we I was thinking background. Right. Because the screen's so big. Right. But if he says only characters, characters and, and text, text, then you are probably looking at graphics, uh, glitches. graphics glitches and stuff. But a lot of times that can be fixed by just reseeding the ROMs or pressing them in really good. Right. Cleaning them. Stan loves to uh, take all his chips out and clean them and stuff. Fix a lot of games like that. Definitely. So, Rob, probably more of a board issue here. We do have a video on inspecting an arcade board you might take a look at because that'll help you out a little bit. But it just sounds like you probably either have you might have some bad ROM chips. You could even have some bad RAM chips because it could be the way the board's interpreting the graphics that's the problem instead of the graphics themselves. Good, that good, could be the point call. too. So you pro- you know take a look at both those on your, you know just on your board. Do some cleanup, all that good stuff, and see if that doesn't help you out. And let us know where you go from there. And Tim, this is our last website question tonight, and it's from Luke. And Luke says, I recently purchased a 1982 Popeye arcade machine. When I plug in the machine, I can hear the intro music start up, but once the monitor warms up, there is only about a 2-inch tall block across the screen with horizontal lines running through the block. There is also a very high-pitched buzzing coming not through the speaker, but from inside the machine. The machine must really have been sitting there for years, as I'm still cleaning dust from the inside of the machine. I'm really glad that you guys are out there with informative information. I hope that you can advise me on how to proceed. Thanks, Luke. Informative information. Oh. I like that. <laughs> we might have That's to add that to, our, right I'm add that to my resume. That's right. The podcast that gives you informative information, Tim. But oh. anyway. Okay, so Tim, we got Luke here. I always heard it was BS. I don't know. <laughs> what does that mean? Bologna sandwich. Tim. Okay. I, okay. Somebody good. was just hungry. I'm a, I, I, now I'm an informative informationer. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So we got Luke here. He's got a Popeye arcade machine. He's only got about a two inch tall block that goes right in the middle of the screen. He's got a whole bunch of black at the top, it sounds like, a whole bunch of black at the bottom. And he's got the, the little you know roster lines through it and all this right. kind of stuff. But he's only getting this two inch tall height yeah it's not very fun to play that way no and we know that popeye is a nintendo game right so it probably has a sanyo monitor in it so which direction does luke need to go in order to get his picture back up to full and have everything sounds like he's starting to collapse vertically he does and like and so he needs to look at his capacitors in the in the vertical i see his hadn't collapsed all the way right so good time to do a cap kit starting with right and then we'll go from there and i'm also now also you have those they have that board that satellite board correct we're, we're gonna when we we really need to do a nintendo monitor this is kind of There's pushing us right over there that's what <laughs> one of our next videos is going to be and we'll talk about it a little bit more probably almost have the video done uh by the time we get this edited and stuff so look for that video to come out maybe it'll help you a little bit more right so sounds good so luke hopefully answer your question i'm with tim here you probably need to look at some of the stuff in your vertical section of your monitor definitely need to do a cap kit you know all that good stuff and see how it goes from there and let us know if you have any issues with it and we will be filming a video kind of on this topic very soon so keep a watch out for that and hopefully that'll help you even more okay tim to our youtube questions now so let's go with sora roxas dude one and he says hello i have a jumbo safari game i obtained it from a friend of mine it came to me in pretty bad condition the top of the screen was smashed the marquee was missing and the game randomly slows down during gameplay i took out the naomi dusted it out but the slowdown persists 
Also, I was thinking of putting a computer in there and turning it into another game. There is a USB cable, and when it's unplugged, I get an I.O. board not found error. Okay. If I plug in the USB to a computer, will that allow the input of the controls to a computer? Thanks in advance. Okay, Tim, let's talk about Jumbo Safari real quick. This is a Naomi game. Right. Okay, so it's a fairly fairly new game. Compared to the others we talk about. Correct. Yeah. And now, the thing is, is that each Naomi system has a different input-output board. And that's what he's looking at here, is that there's actually a board that communicates between the ga- the Naomi system right. and like all your inputs and everything. And the way it does that is via USB cable. Okay, here's the thing I don't know, because I've never tried this before, is will your computer pick up the drivers for that input-output board? I doubt it. I if it does, it. then it will work. But if not, you'll have to get you something like an iPack, basically, a replacement input-output board for your computer that does have computer drivers. I do not know, off the top of my head, whether Jumbo Safari's input-output board will support computer drivers. But when it gives you that input board not found error... Probably tells you you should leave it plugged in. That's all I'm saying. Right. You know what I mean? Because it will not work without it. That's what interfaces between your controls on your arcade cabinet, your buttons. A Jumbo Safari, I believe, is a driving type game, your mm-hmm. steering wheel, and the Naomi system. Why you're getting slow down, though, I'm not sure. No, me either. Either it's bad processing. Right. That's more what it sounds like. Right. Or bad power, but right. I would think processor. Yeah. And especially. I don't... Jumbo Safari, I'm not sure if it's a CD-based Naomi or if it's a cartridge-based cartridge based, Naomi. Yeah. And so I don't know off the top of my head whether that's the case. If it was a, a CD-based Naomi, it could be having problems reading the disc, mm-hmm. which is why you're getting some slowdown every so often. Maybe it's not buffering properly right. in the disc or something to that effect, and maybe that's why you're getting it. If it's a cartridge-based Naomi, though, where you plug in the cartridge, I just don't see that ever having a problem unless there unless there's some issues with, like, you know, interpretation on the board. And Naomi's are I – don't, I don't know if that ever – I don't even know if we could find somebody who worked on a Naomi, except well, for like it, Sega. Yeah, what is it like now play Sega. It again? What, what is Sega's new company? Uh, uh, play it amusement. Play it, play it amusement. So I would contact Play it amusements, or I want to throw out one we don't use very often. I don't bring up very often. Stuff can get expensive, but Moss Distributing, right? They were distributed, but they're also really good at fixing and tech support and parts. Right. Now, so this I is going to be a specialized them. job. I don't know. Like, normal board repair guys, I don't know if they'd be able to tackle a lot of, like, what a Naomi is, for right. instance. There, now, there might be some guy who's laughing at us. He's like, oh, I can na- that's nothing, you know, maybe. Sure. But you got to remember that these boards are, are very, very powerful. I mean, that's the equivalent of Dreamcast in there. And it is, I mean, it is a very powerful arcade system. So it's a lot different than working on a Pac-Man board, for instance. I mean, just totally different. And so, Namco's yeah. still in business too. Yeah, this is Sega, Sega. Yeah, they're they're going. Well, Sega's gonna. Uh, okay, Sega. Yeah, mm-hmm. made the the Naomi system. So I've contact Sega. Right. Play it amusements. I don't have their phone number handy. I think but I think I have it, and we'll post it in the show notes there for you. Sora Roxas dude one, and we'll get that we'll get that to you so you can see it. But you know, I mean, I don't know about the computer part. Hey, the only thing I can tell you is try it. Right. See right. if it works. But as far as the slowdown's concerned, you might need to contact somebody, like he was saying, like Sega Amusements, or you'll have to contact Mosh Distributing, somebody who might be able to give you a little bit more information. If it is disc based Naomi, you could always try to maybe get a CD cleaner or something in there just to see if it would if it would clean up. But if it's cartridge based, uh, we're not. I mean, it's going to be hard for us to, to you know to really think about it too hard unless it's a power supply issue. Now Naomi's are again power hungry yeah. systems. You so. can go to SegaArcade.com uh-huh. and that, and then choose USA. And that will take him over, and, and you can email in tech support. Right, and I, I think they're still giving tech support for Naomi games. I know that you guys at Chuck E. Cheese probably still mm-hmm. have a couple in, that are in uh, in operation, so. Right. You know, 
Okay, sounds or good. one of the distributors may provide tech support too. Okay, sounds good. So hopefully it answers your question, and good luck with whatever you decide to do with your Jumbo Safari Naomi game. Okay, Tim, let's go to Unlucky Charms. And this is concerning adjusting the convergence rings. He says, my rings are split. I have two for each color. How should I go about adjusting those? So, Tim, how should Unlucky Charms go about adjusting his convergence rings, considering he has one, like, basically um, two for each color? I mean, is there any, are there any like methods besides what we show in the video beyond that? Not really. That, not that I'm aware of. There probably is. And Michael would, could probably, yeah, some, certain ones do this and right. certain ones do that. My, you know, my keep it simple approach is just mark where you are now. Right. So you, if you mess up, get worse, you can always get back to where you are now. Yeah, exactly. And, so and play with it. Okay, that's what I would do. So watch our video again and just just kind of do the same thing like Tim said. You know, make sure you mark your starting position and then you can go about kind of adjusting them as you need to. Now here's the thing, Tim. If your picture looks good, don't touch them. True. I mean, you know, if your picture already looks fine, don't touch them. But you should be able to tell kind of what's going on with your monitor. I did it on this Galaga that's here behind us, Tim, my Galaga bootleg cabinet that I have here. Mm -hmm. I had to adjust the convergence rings quite a bit on this one because I could tell that they were out of alignment just by looking at the game. If If you've got the reds, greens, and blues all split... You know, and they're not converging. You know, like, I knew that the score at the top was supposed to be white. Right. And all I saw was red, green, blue. And I could yeah. see a little bit of overlap. You kind of right. have to get those rings kind of in the right position so you get that full overlap. And so it just takes some playing around with more than anything, right? Right. So Unlucky Charms, hopefully just it answers your question. mark where you are so you can get back to where you came if you messed up. <laughs> there you go. Out. So hopefully it answers your question. And good luck with adjusting your convergence rings. Okay, Sam, let's move to Rejected Maniac. Haven't heard from him for a while. We got another one from him. And it's concerning adjusting the horizontal width coil. How do I adjust the width if we already tried the remote board and there's a cap inside the width coil so it cannot be adjusted? Hmm. Well, what they've done is a lot of times people will put some glue or something in there. Right. And To uh, hold the adjustment. Right. To keep it steady. Well... Over time, yeah, over, you you're probably just going to have to replace. They're cheap. They're right. really not. I mean, get one that you can adjust, right? And get the adjustment tools while you're while you're there. Bob Roberts sells that kind of stuff. So uh, ask him about it and say you want to get a width coil for a certain monitor and the TV adjustment tool. And uh, that's that'd be. I mean, you could probably take it, but you're going to end up breaking it trying to get that cap off. Or anything like that. Or try to. You might try to take the cap off, but I think before it's hard in there because they've actually glued it. I don't right. know why. It was a big deal to do back in the days and <laughs> gluing the neck boards on. Like you never yeah, got, didn't want the right. neck board ever to come off. <laughs> it makes it hard to work on. I guess. But rejected maniac hopefully answers your question. Like Tim says, you might just have to go about replacing your horizontal width coil in this particular instance. Doesn't sound like there's going to be any way around it unless you want to try to take that cap out of there. But probably just better to go ahead, replace the horizontal width coil, and then you should be able to adjust it from there. Okay, Tim, let's move to Hall Joshua 1990. And he says, Hi, I have an Arkanoid arcade game, and it says on the screen, Bad Hardware. How do I fix this? I'm trying to get rid of this thing. He laughs. So, LOL. He laughs. I said he laughs, but LOL. There you go. So, he's got an Arkanoid arcade game, Bad Hardware. Yeah, and I've never seen that error Sure, somebody has. I'm sure it's in the. There might be a troubleshooting guide in the manual. Exactly. I would try to get a manual and look through that, 
And it seems like maybe, I think it's some kind of communication between, see your your spinner up there has some circuit board right. stuff in it. I think it's getting some kind of error, and that's how it knows. It's called gotcha. a hardware gotcha. your spinner. Right. So I would check the spinner area and stuff or unplug it and see if you can get that to go away or go into your test. See, will it go into test? But I, if you can get an Arkanoid manual, I bet it tells you something about that. Sounds good. So I, I, honestly, I, I would just get on Arkanoid and play it all the time. <laughs> That's right. I haven't seen that, but it's probably probably not that uncommon. Well, you either. know, Stan's wife used to love Arkanoid. I think right. he, does he still have that one, or did he sell it? I can't even remember. Still has it. So it's still in storage. Okay, there you go. So we have an Arkanoid too. I guess we could always see What's what up it did. But so Hall Joshua 1990 hopefully answered your question. And like Tim said, you know, get a manual, but you might want to check your spinner to see if it's functioning properly as well and it's hooked up right because that could be your issue as well. Okay. Maybe, we'll, maybe we'll post some places that he can get the manual from or, or a link to a, sure. a download for him. We can him. do that. Not a problem. So, Well, Tim, let's move on to Blaring Snake 40. And he says, exactly how long, how wide, and how tall are the arcade screens that Time Crisis 3 is being played on? This is kind of hard because Time Crisis 3 came in different yeah, flavors. Right. You know, um, now there's a Time Crisis 3 kit that I think fit on Time Crisis 2 and also was its own kind of kit. And I believe those use 25 inch monitors, Tim. Yeah. But there's also one with the big 50 inch, I believe. A Time Crisis kit with the big 50 inch monitors. Now, as far as height and width and stuff on that, on the monitors, don't know because we usually always go by the diagonal on those. We always go by, you know, like, so when we say like a 25 inch monitor, that's always the diagonal. You know, if you want an exact height and width, right. that's a whole lot different. But it really depends on which Time Crisis 3 cabinet that you have, right, Tim? Exactly. So, I mean, that's going to be the biggest thing. We don't know what you have, so it's going to be hard for us to tell. But you're probably looking somewhere between the 25-inch, maybe a 33, but I doubt that. I just haven't seen a cabinet with that. Probably somewhere either 25-inch or and the it big could be inch. in a bootleg cabinet. Exactly. Something could be you could put a projector on a wall if you you know if that's what you somebody wanted to so right so it's a tough question i don't really why you're asking <laughs> that's <laughs> right so now if you give us a picture we could definitely help you out a little bit more like if you have a cabinet that you're trying to get a replacement monitor for for instance maybe that's the case but you know most of the time crisis cabinets i've seen tim probably looking 25 inch monitor so right. blind snake 40 hopefully answers your question and if you need some more specifics let us know send us a picture we'll help you out okay tim let's move to shotgun shell 80 says, I'm a first-time pinball owner, and you've helped me out a lot. Thanks. I can't quite seem to lock the bar back down. The lock bar won't go back to the right after I push it down into place. Okay, so Tim, he's talking about a pinball machine here. We talk about, in cleaning a pinball machine, we talk about how you take the lock bar off and you can slide the glass off. So now he's slid the glass back on, he's putting the lock bar in place, but he can't get the lever in the coin door to go all the way over. What do you think is blocking him from doing that? Well, he's going to need to look down up inside there. It could just be that it has, most of the time when that happens to me, I don't have the top part in all the way. Correct. Because it if it's not flush and good and in, it won't do that. Right. Now, it could literally have some kind of mechanical problem, but more than likely it's just not down far enough. Because once you go down far enough, then it just look at how it's made. You'll see how it works. And, and it could be something in his top holes that you're pushing it down on. Yeah. Something else I want to mention, too, is I've had this problem where I didn't put the glass up far enough. Oh, exactly. Yeah. There's something blocking usually. And, and, and it's you know how it is. The glass is 
uh, gravity is trying to pull the glass down. So right. a lot of times I've learned to kind of elbow with my my elbow up there holding the glass while I'm pushing that down. I think that sounds kind of like his problem. So Shotgun Shell 80 hopefully answers your question. Probably need to just see what's obstructing the lock bar from going down. Maybe push the glass up a little bit more and see then if you can hopefully put it into place and lock that lock bar over. So again, if you have any more questions about it, let us know. We'll help you out. Okay, Tim, let's move to Raston, 1977. He says, Hi, mate. Please help me out here. I have a 10,001 arcade machine. The problem I have is that it doesn't keep high scores. Any help with this will go a long way. Thanks. So, Tim, we're really not that familiar with the 1001 games, but I believe most of those are PC-based, like they're PC-based games, Mm -hmm. So, which means they're probably running some version of MAME. And I know that there's like a high score text file or high score um, file that you can get that will help you to save those scores but it's been a while since i messed with it right and it could be what you need to do is actually get into that drive on that thousand and one and then put that high score.txt file in there so it knows to save the scores but i mean the biggest thing the biggest thing though is when you buy these bootleg boards like that tim you just you're not guaranteed that it's going to work right right you know Uh, we have several 16 ones like you guys saw in the video that we did on wiring the jamma in the cocktail cabinet and we've had a couple of those where they save the high scores but they don't save the names or then they don't save the high scores it's kind of iffy on that so you know the best way to do it if you want to do that you know maybe is to go the full MAME route just go with a full on PC and then configure mm-hmm. MAME to do all that kind of stuff yourself um, or or just go with original boards that have high score saves on them and some games themselves the right. ROMs didn't you know didn't, right. the games it. don't support it so are you talking about every game right or just some specific games maybe your favorite game that you play on it a lot right so you know a lot of them are are exactly that game so right. if that game didn't support high didn't score support it then it may not yeah and that's a good point too so Rasta 1977 hopefully answered your question maybe with a little bit more detail on which 1001 board you have we could get it maybe a little bit closer and help you out a little bit more but I mean for the most part like Tim or wherever said, you got it from I don't know yeah or wherever you got it from I sometimes a lot of those I mean 16 does have a dip switch setting for high score saves but mm-hmm. like I said sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't we've noticed and it's just because of the quality of those boards some of them are really good and some of them aren't but you know, I think on the 10,001 game, Tim, it's just going to depend. Maybe he needs to contact who he bought it from, see if they've got anything, or maybe there's a manual dip switch setting in there for it. If not, you know, maybe we can look up a little, couple more details for you. Maybe there's something we can configure to get it working for you. But just give us a holler back. Let us know if there's anything we can do to help you out. Okay, Tim, let's go to Lee Boy 2 k one And this is concerning our video on using a tuber ge- generator. And it says, great video, guys. Just a quick question. What about phosphor degradation? How does one know when the phosphorus has browned to the point of the analyzer restore not being applicable? I know from CRT projectors, the green usually ages quickest. What are the contingencies for this? Are there any CRT manufacturers that remain? So basically what Leeboy 2K1 is worried about is that he's going to get a tube that he can't rejuvenate that's already got the burn is, is yeah. in there and there's just nothing he can do question. about it. I love this No, me too. But there's nothing he can do about it. And he's like, what can I do in this case? I mean, right. I mean what, what are my options? Most of the time when the phosphor is so bad that it's not going to... In rejuvenation, you're not really doing anything with the phosphor. Right. You are messing with the guns and the shorts in right. there. Well, but what he's saying is, you're, by that point, it's generally so bad screen burned. Yes. That it ain't worth keeping. Right. So that would be a good test. Just the average eye test is how bad is the screen burn anyway? Screen burn's that bad, don't worry about it. Right. I mean, just replace it anyway. So that would be the contingencies, I guess. How right. bad is the screen burn to begin with? 
it, your rejuvenation doesn't help screen burn. No. It will help brightness and colors and all that, but it will not take away screen burn. Are there any CRT manufacturers? Yes, there's a few. Yeah. Uh, maybe a couple. Not, not in this country. Many. Yeah. Not <laughs> I don't, there were there? some guys that were doing something. Uh, we, we may do an internet research real, real quick. We'll probably tell you that. Some too. They probably were getting them overseas. They may have been just warehousing the stuff. But right. um, TV tubes, we've all yeah, we've yeah, talked I mean, about before, right. and especially in older games, work. Mm-hmm. That's what they are. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you can find old TVs cheap online, Tim, right now. Craigslist and eBay and things like you that. You go, a lot of people would give them to you. Yeah. yeah, because they just want to get rid of them, or like 10 15 bucks, something Easily like that. Easily, yeah, $10. So. It, even the pawn shop or something just that got shelves some, full of them that right. they're not selling go in there and tell them just, you know yeah you'll mow find, the grass outside just find one that's around the same size and you might be able to make that tube work with your chassis there's no guarantee though tim no, you have to no guarantee take a look at it and you but. need we definitely probably need to prioritize and make that a video one yeah. day but um, hey, it's on the list for michael's next time we visit yeah him, so but we'll we'll get it at some point so lee boy 2k1 hopefully answers your question um contingency wise i mean you can replace the tube obviously that's kind of one of your things and, but I mean, or replace it with an LCD. But I mean, there's not much you can do beyond that. And uh, apparently, there are some CRT manufacturers out there, from what Tim knows. But you know, not a whole lot of them. Might be better just to go searching for old TVs in that case. So hopefully, answers your question and good luck with your repair. Okay, Tim, let's go to Zombie Boy. He says, "Hi, buddy. Love the channel. I've sat and watched most of your videos, and you're good at explaining things. I have a oh, you're good at explaining things. Tim. Okay, good. Uh, I'm just making sure I, I get that get that <laughs> okay. out to you." So. I have a question I was good about at messing stuff up. Oh, they, <laughs> well. Anyway, I have a question about arcade cabs that you haven't covered in your videos. I have a Neo Geo Four slot on the way as we speak, but the guy I got it from says there's graffiti scratched into the glass of the cab. What's the best thing to do to remove the scratches? Should I buy new glass? I'm not sure which is the cheapest, easiest method. Any input you could give me would be greatly appreciated. Thanks, Alan. So, Alan, we're gonna we'll go by his real name instead of his uh, okay. YouTube alias, Alan here. Basically, he's got some scratches in his glass. Right. And he wants to know what's the best way to get these things out. Can I remove them? Do I just need to replace it? What's the best way to do it? Well, if it is a just a solid piece of glass, right? Just replace it. Right. I mean, but if it's got screen printed, like I have a centipede, and it look the bezel looks beautiful, but there's some scratches in there. Right. Now you can use some Novus, and there's some there's some stuff. I've heard guys on KLV talk about um, you might talk to your glass company right. and ask them what they have or what they can recommend. Here where we live, Tim, we have Tyler Glass Company. They, they, right. They're here and they they do all the glass. You here might take it to them, say, can you buff this? Right. A high-speed buffer will help. But, man, if it ain't that, if you know... If it's just solid glass, which I think his is, right. this replace it. I wouldn't fool with it. Yeah, I don't think Neo Geo's had any custom graphics on any glass or anything like that. So in his particular case, probably just best to replace it. I'm with you, in Tim. In his case, yeah. Yeah. So, Alan, hopefully answers your question. You know, there's not really, like like you said, there's not really anything great that's going to get the scratch out completely. But there are some things that you can do, you know, as, as far as like, like Tim said, Novus and some other things that might help fill the scratch a little bit. But for the most part, your best option is always going to be just buy a new piece of glass if you can. So... Alan, hopefully answers your question. Good luck with your new Neo Geo 4 slot. Okay, Tim, let's go to Stutka1939. Did I say that all right? Stutka? Anyway, this is concerning checking and replacing a power supply. They say, love your series. I bought a new ATX power supply just like the one in this video for my Neo Geo 25-inch cabinet, and I think I should check the voltage before I hook her up. I'm very new to the tech side of arcade cabs, and this video is great. 
My question is, do I need to have the the PH the power supply plugged in and powered up to test the voltage with the multimeter, or do I test it like you have demonstrated with just the meter and the power supply not plugged in and powered up? I'm new, so forgive the noob question. Oh, that's a we got great the theme question. going again yeah, here. Yeah, another great theme here, and this is again talking about whether or not I test my power supply under a load versus not under a load. And, and Tim, for an initial for initial check, I would think. I don't need it under the load. I right. just want to see if it works. I want to make sure it's giving gold voltage. My simple answer is both. Yes, both is a great answer. So check it. And then once you hook it up, you're going to come from the back side of the pins, like Tim says, on the side that's going to the game. And then you can test it there. Okay, and once you test it there, you can you know see how it's running, make sure the game is getting it good. You can always test your power supply at the harness, Tim. And I think sometimes right. we forget to tell guys that. But you can always test your power at the harness to make sure as well. So, and like we said, we've talked about this all night, stick us. So, hopefully, you know, some of the stuff that we talked about earlier in the podcast will help you out as well. But, like Tim said, both. Test it before you put it in the game, test it after, make sure it works all the way around. Okay, Tim, let's go to Grab My Goobers. And again, another <laughs> regular write in. Right. And it says, Should I have my meter on DC or AC when testing my Peter Chow power supply? Okay. What as you, simple as that. Very simple. What are you testing? Yeah. <laughs> if you're testing for 12 and 5 volts, you're going to have to have it on DC or the switcher side of it. Right. If you want to test, does it have AC running out of it, like to your lights and your monitor, you're going to test the AC. Yep. So, but, but for all practical purposes, probably DC yeah. to your board and so forth. Well, and, and make sure. Right. And on a Peter Chow, the AC is always labeled. And yeah. so if it says AC, put your meter on AC. Good. If it doesn't say AC, put it on DC. Is that simple enough? Simple enough. <laughs> so there you go. Grab my goobers. Hopefully answers your question. And uh, have fun with that Peter Chow. Peter Chow, great power supplies, by the way. Great stuff. Okay, Tim. Let's go to Albert Alex 92 And he says, I just bought an upright Galaga arcade machine, and the machine doesn't turn on at all. The lights to the coin slots turn on, and the top light used to turn on, but not anymore. Do you have any tips to give me to start repairing my machine? I'm novice to the whole arcade repairing thing. Okay. I like how he says that arcade repairing thing, right? You know, but so Albert Alex ninety two Tim, let's talk about this. Got a Galaga. Sounds like we're getting we're getting some voltage here, okay? Because we've got apparently his marquee light used to come on and his coin lights used to come okay. on. Okay, well those are AC voltage. Okay, so he's even got, on the coin lights, a lot of times they can't. So people would wire them that way. Okay, but. Not very often. Depends on what kind of light bulb is in there. Sure. So he has some lights. Some lights are on, but nobody else is home. So <laughs> right. we're, we're going to start at power. Right. And since you're brand new, you'll watch some of our videos. Don't just watch one or two. Checking watch. a classic power supply. Number one on your list. Exactly. And what you want to do is make sure your plug is good. And follow the power as it goes into your game. And right. see at what point. Do you lose it? Check power uh, going to your monitor. Check power at your harness to make sure that the board's getting power as well. Right. That's going to be two things right there. So. It says the lights used to turn on. Check your fuses. Right. You know, all those things. So, got a lot. You got almost, there's almost so much that you need. Just watch some of those videos. If you haven't bought our videos, so we have a lot of extra tips and stuff on there, especially for novice, like how to solder and things that we don't normally talk about. Right. But it, and we don't stress a lot of that, Jonathan, on our videos. It's not just stuff that we have on YouTube. It goes more in depth. 
It has stuff that you don't, we don't have, and it also has some newbie stuff that teaches you different things. We go in a little bit more depth that we don't feel like we need to all the time with everybody. Right. But we all started somewhere, Albert. So thank you for writing in, and we hope that we can help you some more in the future. Sounds good. So Albert Fix Alex Gallagher. That's right, Albert Alex ninety two. Hopefully, answered your question again. ASAP. Always start at power. Check your power going everywhere. Make sure that everything's getting it, and then from there we'll help you out. Okay, Tim, let's go to XX Nice Man XX. He says, Can you tell me what I need to do and send me to a website or video that can help me play Street Fighter 2 and Mortal Kombat on my Neo Geo 33 inch cabinet? I will appreciate it. <laughs> okay, Tim, well, there's a lot of ways to accomplish this. I mean, he's got a Neo Geo 33 inch cabinet. I will say that most of the ways to accomplish this <laughs> basically involve rewiring your cabinet. Right. So, I mean, you could get, I mean, you could get the boards, you could get a Street Fighter and a Mortal Kombat, and then the JAMA is the same, but you will need to, again, install two more buttons, because Neo Geo is only four buttons. Right. Okay, and then you'll also have to wire up the individual kick harnesses for that game. That's one way to go about it, right? Right. The other way to go about it would be to get a multi-arcade board, which you can find a lot of them out there now. You know, 256 and one, 372 and one, whatever they got now, 152 and one. Do that. You got that option too. A lot of those, a lot of those boards also play all the Neo Geo games you want, so you could go that way, or you could do the PC thing, do the MAME, and and build your PC, hook it up with some input out, you know, some some input boards and things like that. It's just up to you. I'm gonna go with this approach, John. That's kind of a new classic. That's no, true, Neo Geo. Yeah. So why mess with the Neo Geo at all? Man, I mean, because it has so much potential and people love them, right? And can get the different cartridges and stuff. So why not leave it alone and get you another cabinet to do this with? Now, something to keep in mind, Tim. He says it's a Neo Geo 33 inch, and the only dedicated Neo uh, Geo 33 inch I can. True. There is a dedicated one. I think the six slot. That they have. I think it had a 33-inch monitor in okay. it. Like the board that had six slots. Yeah. Man, if you got that, I haven't seen one of those in years. I don't think... Man, it had to have been like Disney World was on as a middle school. Right. Kind of thing. Like, what was the last time I saw something like that? But, I mean, in his case, Tim, I'm kind of with you. Why not keep it a Neo Geo? Especially if it's the six-slot Neo Geo. Man, we haven't... Like I said, I haven't seen one of those in a long time. Yeah. I'm sure somebody I would mean, love to have that. Because of the fact... I mean, I don't know how hard it, where he's from or how hard it is for him to get a game... But you can pick up a Street Fighter for a couple hundred dollars and play right. Mortal Kombat in it. I will say it's hard to get Street Fighters than it used to be. Really? Okay. Yeah, but I mean, you're right in the fact that you can still get them, and they're right. not that expensive. Right. So, I mean, it is hard to get them, but they're still out there. You can still get them. But, you know, a lot of times, Tim, people only have one game, and they want that game to play everything that they want to play. I mean, you know how it is. Mm-hmm. I mean, they don't want to collect, they don't want to have like a, a, a room full of games, you know, mm-hmm. like you and me have. They right. want to. They want to have the one game that plays everything. And if that's the case here, he's probably better off going with one of those multi-boards. Tim, I was looking at the 256, 352, whatever they are in one boards just mm-hmm. recently. They have all the Neo Geo games you'd ever want to play, plus okay. Street Fighter. Well, there Not you Mortal go. Kombat, but yeah. I'm with you, though. If it's a dedicated, I, I'm totally against that. You need to keep it dedicated. Yeah, it doesn't say really that it is a dedicated either. Right. So Because, I mean, we've seen how many dynamo cabinets oh, Tim 33 inch dynamo cabinets that have like every game that you can think of in them you know Tekken Street Fighter whatever so it you're is gonna so, have, so simple, simple answer is you're gonna have to do some wiring yep no matter what you do you're gonna, you're gonna do have to do some, some wiring. wiring so 
XX Nice Man XX. And we have videos question. on that. We do on the wire and the jammer standard and stuff. Maybe we haven't really done a fighting game video. Much. We haven't done one on with, with a, a kick, kick harness. harness. Yeah, we that's probably, what I was about to say. Maybe we'll try to do that before long. Sounds good. So hopefully answers your question. It's going to involve some wiring. Definitely doable. Lots of routes you can go. But you know, hopefully you can decide on one of those routes if you want to do that, and let us know, and we'll help you out from there. Okay, Tim, let's go to Atari Born. And they say, so, if you have a board with only vertical sync and a monitor with both vertical sync and horizontal sync, you should combine the two sync wires into one wire? Yes. Most of the time. Yeah, I think what he's saying is you've got both coming out of your game, but only one to your monitor. Combine them should... Yeah, you see, like, to me, I think that's what he's thinking, but he says it backwards. He right. says, if you have a board with only a V-Sync. Okay. Okay, and you have a monitor with both V-Sync well, if and you only, sync if your board only requires V-Sync, just hook up the V-Sync. Right. Exactly. In that case, you just hook up the I V-Sync. I was, right. reading, I was thinking something well, different, but he may be thinking, right. too. But here's the thing, though. Maybe your monitor doesn't have V-Sync and H-Sync. Maybe it has composite sync. Right. And in that case, you would... You know, and maybe your board has V-Sync and H-Sync. And that's what we'd be talking about, where you would need combine. to combine them. Okay. Try Right. Yeah, try it. <laughs> there you so, go. Um, it's either going to work or not, right? right. <laughs> so, Atari board hopefully answers your question. I mean, in your case, in your case, we wouldn't necessarily combine them because you have V-Sync on the monitor, you have V-Sync on the board, be the same right. in both places. But maybe, like we said, you have a composite sync on your board. Maybe you have ver- vertical horizontal sync on your monitor. Maybe you need to split them in that case, whatever mm-hmm. the case may be. But like Tim says, try out some different scenarios and see how they work out for you. Okay, Tim, let's go to Schlappy1. And this was on inspecting an arcade board. He said he just simple question, no anti-static wrap. You didn't use an anti-static wrap at all in that video. Okay, yeah. when we were doing this stuff. I mean, is that okay? Is it okay for us to not use anti-static wraps? You know, I, I know because he's thinking PC right. repair. Yeah, is it okay? It, would it be a great idea? Probably that I did. I should use it. Yes. Remember, we do not do board repair for a living. If we did. We'd probably do it in a lot cleaner and a lot better environment with a lot more of that kind of stuff. Right. But we're just showing the country boy way to do it, kind of. <laughs> and uh, no anti-static tra- strap, I think that would be a great idea. In fact, you bought me one before, I Jonathan. Have one. And I, I maybe even two. Right. And I don't always use them. <laughs> so I should, yeah. I, I not, my- not a bad idea. Uh, a lot of times you don't see we do stand on like a rubber mat or something sometime. Right. Or... We're also operating when it's in the heat of summer. It's a little bit different story when uh, it's winter right? and stuff. Here's something I want to tell everyone. Just we can talk about static electricity since it is about wintertime now or starting to be. You know, when you rub your feet on the carpet, John, and you touch somebody and it pops and it hurts, right. you know, that's like a couple thousand volts. Wow. Okay. I didn't know that. <laughs> so, and we talk about all the time games run on what five and twelve. That's right. So, is he right? Should we use anti-static sh- straps? Yes, we probably should. Yep. And we should also try to discharge ourselves anytime we are working on boards. Not as bad though in Texas. That's a couple days a year. But, <laughs> you know, I understand what he's saying, and it will probably a disclaimer we should add to that video that yeah, that was a good idea. So, thank you for the question, yeah, or for the suggestion anyway, or the reminder. Yeah, and I will say that I have anti-static gloves that I use when I'm working on computers and stuff and they look like little Michael Jackson gloves they have little rubber tips on them but they're white uh-huh. you know like the little rhinestone glove they used to oh, wear or whatever wow. it was and so yeah so like I always think of my Michael Jackson gloves whenever I'm thinking of my anti-static gloves but you guys have probably seen them before you can get a pair of them maybe I'll even link to a pair of them okay. in case you want your there own but go. those will work as well as the anti-static straps so I would definitely say. say if you're going to do 
for what we were doing, basic kind of troubleshooting, I don't know this is necessary, but it definitely wouldn't hurt. If you're going to do a lot of it, for sure you would need it. Sounds good. So Schlappy one, hopefully answers your question. Good idea always to have anti-static straps and anti-static gloves. You know, but some, you know, I mean, if you just make sure you're grounded when you're working with stuff, you should be okay. And Tim, our last question of the night comes from Francisco Diaz. And he says, Hi, I have an arcade monitor, an arcade VGA, and a PC. I've connected the arcade VGA to the arcade monitor. How do I supply power to the arcade monitor? There are four wires coming from the monitor chassis. What kind of power do I need? Thanks. So Tim, he's got an arcade monitor, an arcade VGA, and a PC. And okay. he, he's connected the RV, arcade VGA to the arcade monitor, which is probably just via the VGA cable or whatever. Right. But how does he power... How does he supply power to the arcade monitor? Now, Tim, one thing we should say is that I also have a Wells Garner PC-style CRT in my cocktail cabinet that we're looking at here. And it actually has a connector to go from that three-pin to a three-pin, three-prong regular plug. Right. And that sounds what Francis, like what Francisco needs, is he needs one of these adapters that's going to convert that the little Molex, four-pin Molex that he has just to a regular plug so he can plug it into his game. Right. Or he can run it right off of his power cable, correct? True. More than likely. Because this, if this is a newer monitor, which I'm assuming it is since it has a VGA port on it. Right. Uh, we're assuming it has a VGA port on it. But um, you know, if that's the case, then if it is a newer monitor, it probably doesn't need an isolation transformer. That's the good news. No. And so that means you can come directly from power to the wall directly to the monitor yeah sometimes you'll see people just run a separate cord right for that right but you can usually hijack off of something right uh today i was working on a game had a 120 volt fan in the bottom and uh-huh. the fan was working right so i needed to run 120 up to a smoking smoking unit right and so i just hijacked off of it combined the wires and and uh tied them together soldered them together Right, and that's the case if it does not require an isolation transformer. If it does require an isolation transformer, you'll have to get power to the isolation transformer somehow and then get it up to the monitor. But in your particular case, it sounds like your monitor's newer. Probably just need straight AC in, Tim, whether that's from the wall or from another another uh, another piece of equipment inside your cabinet or whatever it is, straight up to the monitor. And, Tim, you can get those Molex connectors. Where's the best place to buy the Molex connectors to fit, like, that four-pin connection that he's looking for? Well, if you can't, depends on where he lives. Sometimes you can get them local. Radio Shack does sell them, yeah. uh, a type of them, sure. and, and that would be cheaper than paying shipping. But, of course, Bob sells them in uh, a lot of different places. We like to go to Fry's and get them when yeah, we're definitely. in Dallas or somewhere a bigger town that would have a bigger electronic store like that sounds good so francisco diaz hopefully that answers your question and good luck getting your main machine up and running that's what i assume you're doing here at the arcade vga and the pc and everything so good luck getting that going and hopefully hopefully you'll be playing games real soon well tim that does it for all of our questions but you know how we like to end on a discussion right so we this discussion comes from one of our listeners ryan and this has to deal with arcade repair and cost estimations so let's take a moment to read Ryan's letter here, and then we'll kind of talk about it. This is a good discussion topic here. Okay, so he says, Hey guys, this is a different sort of question, but arcade-related nonetheless. A few months ago, my NBA Showtime NFL Blitz machine failed, and I assumed it was a hard drive issue. I found a good deal on a new drive and ROMs, but it did not fix the issue. The same person I bought the drive and ROMs from offered a repair service that I inquired about. Here's where my question begins. I asked this person what an average repair price would cost, he told me it would how much it would cost per hour, how much just to put it on the test bench, and how much it would cost for a new motherboard in case mine was bad. I asked again a different way. What would you guess would be the worst case scenario price for this repair? He again told me his price for individual services, but would not specify an idea of the most that he would ding me for the repair. 
He even used a few car repair analogies to try to validate his argument. One final time, and in yet again a different wording, I asked, I need to know the absolute maximum that this will cost so I will know whether I need to continue with this money pit or cut it loose. And as you guessed, he sidestepped the question, gave yet another car talk analogy, and gave me no sense of security that if I sent it off, it would be held hostage until paid in full. My question to you is, do you think it's acceptable for arcade repair technicians to not even be able to give a simple estimation of total cost or worst case scenario total cost for their services? Even a car repair center can get you in the neighborhood of what you expect to pay for the repair. It seems so unreasonable to me that he couldn't assure me that it would be X amount of dollars or less. I finally had to forego the situation and bought a working board set from an eBay seller. I might have overpaid, but at least I knew what I was getting into before I dove in, and I didn't have to jump through hoops to get there. The game works great again, and it's earning its place in our basement game room. Thanks for the show, the videos, and hours of learning. Ryan from South Dakota. Okay, Tim, now you already replied to Ryan. Okay. Okay, and I've got your response here, but let's just talk about this in general. Okay, let's talk about just repair in general. Maybe not even arcade repair. So if I took, like Ryan's saying here, I take my car... Okay, and you know maybe it's making a funny noise. It's, it mm-hmm. sounds like a squirrel's in my engine or whatever it is. Okay, okay, and I take it up there, and you know I ask the the lady or whoever it is, and usually what they tell me the first off is they'll tell me, well, we'll have to get in there before we can tell you. Right, that's a very common response it seems like because we don't know what it is right now. We're gonna have to get in there, and and sometimes I might be like, well, can you at least give me that ballpark figure? Right, and she said, well, I'll call you, and if and if it's fine, we'll ship it back to you, or, what, or not ship it back. We'll go, right. we'll, we'll, you know, you can come pick it up or whatever it is. Man, if they ship in a car, it's a lot right. of trouble. They're going to charge you just to look at it, though. Yes, they are. They're going to charge me an upfront cost for that, typically, depending on the on uh, where I take it to get repaired. So let's talk about arcade repair now. Do you think it's acceptable for the guy that Ryan was talking to to not give him any estimation about the cost of what it's going to cost him to get his re- repair on his NFL Blitz NBA Showtime? Well, I'm going to say that this is a great question for me because I've been on both sides of this fence. Sure, we both have. But here's what it boils down to me, John, and what we like to talk about. It's about customer service. Definitely. He asked for a ball for a figure a couple times. Right. Now, I can understand the repair guys because somebody says, how much would it cost you charge to fix a game? Well, i got to look at it. I don't right. know. It may need a monitor, power supply, wiring. Rats could have lived in there the last 30 years. And But if you tell me, okay, I have a Pac-Man machine. What is the most it could cost? Right. Well, I can give you a figure what's the most because I can figure out what it would cost to buy another one. Right. Or or how much is okay? Or, or what's, what's a monitor? Like, what's a monitor cost? What's a power supply cost? What's a what's a board board right. cost? And he had a board cost. issue. Right. Okay. Well, a board issue, let's say for that game, is one hundred fifty dollars. Well, that's your most. Yes. Because at some point, if I can't, if I'm going to spend so much time on it, I'm going to tell you, I bought you another board here. You owe me. $150. Right. So to me, that would have been an easy to at least throw something out of there. But I know where he's coming from because then the guy's going to tell him $400 when he knows already he could have bought one on eBay for that or Correct. a whole other game for that. Correct. So you got to protect both. But it really boils down to customer service and the guy just not dealing with him. And this made him very unsure of this guy. Right. So, you know, and, and some of you guys are probably gotten good enough. You might even taken on a few repair jobs. Just be as honest as you can if you can't. And if you can't, he should say, I'm not going to give, I cannot give an estimate. Right. You know, don't sidestep the question. It's a yes or no. No, I'm not going to, I'm not going to tell you because I, every time I do, I get stuck. You know what? On the other repair end, there's been times when I told somebody 
It's probably going to be about $150. I got up there, and literally it took me six hours instead of two hours. What is that? What I do? I charged them when I told them I was going to charge them, and I learned four hours worth of experience. That's right. You know, you just, it's just, that's just good yeah. business. Now, we should mention that we usually charge a fee to come out and look at somebody's games. We do. But that fee covers gas and basically it. And if we And maybe a little it, bit of our time. Yeah, what I usually tell people is we charge so much to come out, and that covers my gas. If I can fix it in 30 minutes, that's what your charge will be. Right. And if I can't, I'll let you know. When I leave, what it what I estimate the cost would be, and that's what I try to stick to. Right. And unless I get in there, and how many times has some guy, or, or you know, let's say I told them, okay, you have a monitor problem, uh, we normally charge hundred bucks to repair this. Right. I get in there and I see a loose wire. Right. Well, you know, I hook up the wire, game's working perfect, everything. You know, then I could sit there and say, well, I told them a hundred dollars, but you know what? It's bad business. Right. It's bad morals. So just know the people that you're dealing with. And I think we found, you know, I just say, hey, you know, I thought it was going to be 100 bucks, but it was this. Now, if I get in there and I notice that it not only is a bad wire, it needs a cap kit, needs mm-hmm. a flyback, mm-hmm. needs all this. I'll be honest. I'll, I'll, there's people I've had to call back. and I say, look, I told you $100. This thing really needs a lot of work. Right. But when it comes so, if the repair gets so big, and I know I can go on eBay and buy another chassis for $125, mm-hmm. there's my maximum. Right. I'll just put another chassis, charge them, repair it. So, just seems like boils down to bad customer service. And, you know, that doesn't have to be arcade. That could be wherever you work. You know, stuff, what goes around comes around. Oh, definitely. You treat people fair, you're going to get treated fair. You do the right thing, the right thing's going to get done to you. You think you're getting away with it, you're ripping somebody off, you're going to get ripped off. That's right. And uh, Karma, man. Karma karma will (laughs) come back and bite you in the behind. That's right. And so... um, you know, that's why we... But he asked a question. I think he was a little frustrated, and I don't blame him. Right. Especially after... If it had been a one-time deal, I would have probably sided, hey, with the guy, you know, we know what it's like. You try to repair something. But you know what? Fix the game, play the game, got DVDs. You Fix it yourself. That's what... <laughs> yeah. You know, trust in yourself. Right. You can do this, and that's why we do this. Because so you won't have to deal with guys like this. Right. Because there's one thing that we decided when we were going to make this website and why we do what we do is because we felt like there were so many unscrupulous people out there. Right. And they give the good guys a bad name. If you got a good guy, pay him what it's worth and get it done, get it fixed. But if not, if you're worried or frustrated, that's why we do what we do. Fix this game yourself. Of course, you said he had a board issue, and it could be in a little bit over most of our heads. But we got guys that we trust you could have shipped it off to them who would at least gave you a repair estimate. Oh, yeah. You know, um, one of our favorite guys to work with is Raymond from Arcade Components. Yeah. I mean, he works on boards like that. You know, he works on Neo Geo boards and some other things. And he would, you know, you ship it off to him. You know, and I'm always big, Tim, on getting a second opinion anyway. You know, right. like, I mean, if some doctor told me you got 10 days to live, I'm getting a second opinion. Well, I think the problem is, <laughs> and we're finding this, that's why I still get a lot of repair calls because they can't find anybody to do the work. Right. We're raising up some new arcade repair guys. So this is your your uh, challenge. You know, don't be that guy. 
Right. Don't be him. Mm-hmm. Be better than that. Right. If you're out there and you're learning to repair games, Josh, I know you're listening. I know you're working <laughs> on. I know you want to work one day. Don't be this guy. Be better than that. Do whatever it takes. If you lose money on your end, you'll gain it somewhere else. And if nothing else, you'll still be honest and still have your integrity, which is way worth more than anything you can make. And it really comes down to like we t- what you talked about earlier, Tim. You know, you treat people fair, you'll be treated fair. Right. I mean, you know, that's the deal, you know. And be honest with people, you know. Don't tell them it's the flux capacitor. Right. Don't tell, you, know? <laughs> you know, I mean, for all we know, you know. Uh, our friend Ryan here could have shipped that board off to to said guy, and he's like, "Oh, it looks like it's your uh, PUC and your your and your, your your DLD and whatever yeah. it is, you know." And it looks like it's going to cost us seven hundred to get this board the out. Xy Vertigo, and, <laughs> you know. I, believe me, guys, we understand your frustration because we've been there. In fact, that's why I never, I still don't consider myself a great repair technician uh, after. You know, 11 years, I think I'm getting decent at it. Mm -hmm. Why do we share and do what we do? Because we feel your pain and we know what it's like to be on that side. And we are on that side a lot of times. Sometimes there's stuff we have to get repaired and we don't want to get ripped off. We want, but we also know that the fair we treat people, we have friends in the business that would do us a fair deal too. Right. And, it's all, and it really is all about that, guys, when it comes down to this, is how you treat the people. And I think that's Tim's point here. And th- Tim, I think we had some good con- discussion there. And I, let's go ahead and move on. And I think we're going to try to close it up here. So let's end with our closing comments. Let's first start with our announcements, Tim. And the first announcement is for our friends David and Sean with American Amusement Auctions. And they're having another auction coming up here on December 8th at the Mesquite Radio Center in Mesquite, Texas. As always, preview is going to run you from 8 to 10 a.m. And the auction starts at 10. For more information, visit AmericanAmusementAuctions.com. Tim, maybe we can actually make this one. Christmas auctions are always fun. Yeah. Now, stuff goes a little bit higher here for those of you who are going to buy. But usually the stuff that's brought is also in better condition. Right. Good time to sell. Yes, good time to sell if you have anything But there's always deals. I've I've never been to auction. There wasn't deals, especially the guys who are patient. So, uh, and good time for you to hit up uh, the wife or the husband or the boyfriend or something or a girlfriend. Say, hey, you know. Or the parents say, "I really would like." You're going to give me that iPad for Christmas. Yeah, but why not get why not get that uh, that you know? Or or I need a cabinet or something, you know. So. Some right. good ideas. Yeah, so again, guys, American Amusement Auctions. That's our, run by our friends David and Sean. Check out their website, AmericanAmusementAuctions.com. Now, Tim, let's talk about the Houston Area Arcade Group Expo 2012, the 11th anniversary of the HAG. And it's going to be November 2nd and 3rd at the Houston Northwest Crown Plaza Hotel in Houston, Texas. Weekend Pass is going to run you $30 at the door, $25 in advance on their website. Or a one-day ticket will be $20 at the door, $15 in advance on their website. And there will be over 200 classic and current coin-op pinball machines, video arcade games, penny arcades, console video games, all ready for attendees to play on free play or buy them for their home. For more information and pre-registration, you guys check out ArcadeCenter.com. Now, Tim, this is where our big announcement comes in. Yeah, the big announcement like that we talked roll. about at the beginning. I, I don't know if you can simulate a drum roll anyway or, or whatever you can do. <laughs> I don't know. Yes, we will be giving a seminar at the Houston Area Arcade Group Expo. Now, we want to thank Keith and all of the people who are involved with the expo there. You guys always do a wonderful job every year. I know last year, you know, we gave them our grades. And, and Tim, it seems like they took all of our suggestions to heart. And we really want to mm-hmm. thank you guys for doing that. That's awesome that you, you know, I don't know if they actually listened to the podcast or not. Or they just thought that they need to fix some things, whatever the case may be. 
But it looks like they've really got a great lineup of games, a great lineup of seminars. We're not the only ones giving seminars, obviously. No, no they're not totally hard up and just couldn't find anybody. And, <laughs> That's right. Yeah. No, but we're excited about this because this is kind of the first time where we've had a setting where we can kind of just get some back and forth with some of, some of you guys out there. Besides when we used to do the radio show type things, remember when we had right. the call number. But this will be fun. We're going to be giving just kind of an Arcade Repair 101 basic troubleshooting type of seminar. And Tim, I think we're only going to do about... 30 or 45 minutes of that and we're, we're going to save at least 15 minutes worth for just questions from the audience and things like that and we're hoping that we get an opportunity to talk with you guys and get some ideas you know as far as what you guys want to see in videos or maybe you know just help you troubleshoot whatever games that you're having but we're really looking forward to the seminar and guys we're, we're features in the speaker page on the arcadecenter.com website for the mm-hmm. hag so if you guys want to see the bio and profile that we have up there and everything you can don't know what time it's going to be yet but it will be posted on their website so you guys just take a look at that if nothing else come hang out with us it's only an hour for the speaking the rest of the time we're going to be playing games oh yeah we're going to be so, hanging out we'll have dvds there yep. for sale with the special show price we'll a have bit, a sh- special show price a little bit cheaper than um and you want to pay shipping and stuff and we know that we got several listeners we we ran into them got pictures and stuff uh, in the arcade uh houston area yep but this is a great festival somebody wants to fly in or a good travel good vacation time uh, you might want to check it out. Yeah, so that's our big announcement. We're actually doing a seminar, and me and Tim will be there for sure. I don't know how much of the rest of the Arcade Repair Tip staff will be there. Mark is not able to make it because he's getting close to getting out of his current position at his job that he's working. So right. we're retiring. You know, retiring, correct. Retiring. So, so we, we congratulate him for, for that, And but he's busy, and so, but we, you know, I don't know about Stan or anybody else, but it will definitely be me and Tim, and we'll definitely be there to give a great seminar for you guys about just some basic troubleshooting, and uh, looking forward to it, Tim. I'm, I'm just excited because I, we haven't, it's been a while since we've done podcasts, and it's been a while since we've had an opportunity to go out into the public and really talk to people who listen and stuff like that. So if you guys are interested, again, Arcade center.com buy your tickets in advance save you a couple of bucks and t and tim while i'm talking about those t-shirts that they have this year are kind of cool looking buy a t-shirt too <laughs> so, right. but uh, they got some great stuff there again that's the houston area arcade group expo and arcadecenter.com is the website tim let's uh let's go ahead and talk about some of our contact information real quick and then we'll give some closing comments and we'll wrap up now, most of you know that you guys can email us. That's questions at arcaderepairtips.com. And you guys can email us with any issues you might be having. Again, we're very slow on that. Me and Tim have been doing better lately with some yeah. of the more recent questions. But we know that we're slow on that. If you get pushed back in the queue, you're going to get on the on the uh, podcast at some point. So you guys just stay tuned to the podcast. You'll probably hear your question come through there if you don't get an immediate, if you don't get a very quick response. So, um, again, questions at arcaderepairtips.com. You guys can leave voicemail, but right now we're still holding those voicemails back for like an all-voicemail podcast, so it's going to be a while on that. But if you do want to leave a voicemail, you can call 972-8AR-TIPS, as in Arcade Repair Tips. And again, that's 972-827-8477 for any of you guys want to call in, leave us a message, and let us know what problems you're having with your games. And Tim, we have all of our multimedia sites. We have our iTunes page where you, you guys have probably subscribed to us if you're listening to our podcast right now. And you guys, if you like what give you us hear, a review. yes, <laughs> if you like what you hear, give us a review. Haven't we said this a million times, Tim? Yeah. We don't ask for money. Okay, unless you right. guys want to buy DVDs. That's right. one thing. But, I mean, you guys can purchase our DVDs, but we don't ask for donations or anything like that. All we ask is that you go onto iTunes and you give us a good review. We take them. We take, oh, oh, we'll we, take your money. Yeah, we do take yeah, donations. Yeah, we'll, we'll take donations. Yeah, some people have asked how could they help. Well, these are just some simple ways that you can help. It only takes a second. Right. You guys, are, we got, we're over... Uh, 
uh, over 600 people on our Facebook page. Yep. We've had thousands of downloads and stuff on iTunes. Yes. So, really, would you like to help us? Give us a good review and let help us bump our ratings right. and things that we do. Yeah, those are the two ways that you guys can help us the most is by buying DVDs and leaving reviews on iTunes because iTunes, by leaving a review on iTunes, you're just saying to people, hey, I really like this and I recommend it to other people. And, right. you know, we want to thank everybody who's already posted there as well, Tim. I don't always do this, but we want to thank everybody who's left a review because you, I mean, all of the reviews that we've gotten have been so, so good. I mean, it's just amazing. I mean, it's, it's awesome that you guys have given us such glowing reviews. And, you know, I'd love for more of you guys to get out there and leave us some more reviews as well. But, uh, Tim, again, that's iTunes.ArcadeRepairTips.com. That will take you directly to our podcast download page in iTunes, and that will help you out. And, Tim, we also have our Zune marketplace as well, and that's Zune.ArcadeRepairTips.com. For those people who might have a, you know, if you have a Windows phone device and you want to get our podcast, you can do so at Zune.ArcadeRepairTips.com. If you want to stream our, our podcast, you can do so through the Stitcher radio app. And you wow. can actually download the Stitcher radio app for your whatever phone that you have, if it's Android or if it's an iPhone. And then you can actually listen to our, our podcast through there at stitcher.arcaderepairtips.com. And, of course, we have our YouTube page, Tim, that most of the people you know that we uh, hear questions from and that listen to our podcast have also visited our YouTube page. And you can go to youtube.arcaderepairtips.com to get to our YouTube page. Now, again, these links are also available on our website in case you guys want to get them there. But, again, you guys can go to any of those. And please think about leaving us some great reviews on iTunes as well. And, Tim, to round it all up, we have our social media sites as well. We have our Twitter account where you guys can send your arcade questions if there are 140 characters or less you can send them to twitter.arcaderepairtips.com go there and send us send us whatever your question is 140 characters and we'll take care of it there and we also have our facebook page and mark as we said has been very busy but he still is posting on there from time to time we really want to and i want to thank we have a lot of guys arthur and different people that have have taken over which is fine oh yeah i mean we never wanted it to be the Tim and Johnson show anyway. We right. want to be a community. That's one of the fastest ways to get your questions answered Definitely. or, uh, you know, get some response. Meet other arcade repair or, or people. People, you know, make friends and stuff. So when you go there, most of the time, the time I ever even get the question pulled up, it's already been answered. That's right. So thank you guys for participating in that. It's your time when you know something. You know, you might not know that much. But you might know the one thing that somebody is asking a question about. Feel free to chime in, ask questions on there, and thank you guys for participating. And again, you guys can get to the Facebook page by going to facebook.arcaderepairtips.com. So, Tim, I think that about rounds it all out for our podcast episode 31. This is 31 more podcasts than we thought we would do at this point. Yeah. So, <laughs> hope you guys enjoyed it. Tim, is there anything that you want to close up by saying? You know, maybe any advice that you want to give the young arcade repair technicians out there besides well, what you've already given them? You know, in this economy and stuff, there's just, you know, this is what you need to do. Take this stuff, learn to fix your, fix your own game. Or get a game and blow off some steam, have some fun. But then, you know, I fix all kinds of stuff around my house now. Sure. I learned. It's a lot of it's basic stuff that I've learned in games. Right. I also apply to that. So, you know, keep keep sending in questions. If we ain't got to you quick, we'll get to you. We promise uh, we are trying to. I, I, I do want to apologize. We had some email issues and stuff. We're getting that kind of stuff straightened out. Uh, send it again. If you haven't heard, 
Send a second time. Tell him. Tell me. Say, hey, Tim. This is the second time I've had to ask you. That's right. And, and then I, the third time. Yeah. And whatever, I will bump you up on the party list. And now we got people. Everybody's gonna say okay. it's the second this is my, time. This is my tenth, tenth time, time to contact I, you guys. What that's you okay. About? We're gonna get to you guys. We thank you for your time and for your patience and so forth. But the main thing is get the games working, keep them going, and uh, have some fun. You yeah. know, life's too short. Uh, don't get stressed out. Play the things. games. Play it. That's yeah. why. That's why it's the motto: is fix the game, play the game. Because you know, Tim. Sometimes I think you and me are real bad about getting bogged down in repairs and not playing games. Right. You know, I mean, like you know, we just oh, we got to fix this one. We got to fix this one. We got to fix this one. And we don't just take the time to say, okay, let's play this one for a little bit. We're gonna have some fun here and whatever the case may be. So guys, remember the motto: fix the game, play the game, and all that good stuff. But you know. I do want to kind of end on, on one more note, talking about the tough economy. Now is is as good a time as any to be picking up skills, and what whatever those skills are. I mean, and if it's electronics repair, like we're doing here with, with Arcade Repair, I mean, those are great skills to have when employers are looking at you, you know, especially if you're going out for some sort of electronics job. You can say, you know, I work on arcade machines kind of on the side and things like that. I mean, I think it helped me get the job that I'm at now by mentioning that. You know, as part of my skill set, because they had some things that required wiring, and they asked, "Could you read a schematic?" I'm I'm okay at reading schematics, things like that. But having those skills can definitely help you in that realm as well, Tim. Especially in a tough economy like what we have now. So, Tim, I th- I guess that's it for this episode. And and guys, we just want to thank everybody for listening. And remember, here at Arcade Repair Tips, when you fix the game, you play, play the, the game. game. Take care, everybody. Bye, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Arcade Repair Tips question and answer podcast. All of our episodes are available for download at ArcadeRepairTips.com or at the iTunes Music Store under podcasts. This podcast is intended for entertainment and educational purposes only. Please consult a professional before attempting to repair any coin-operated machines yourself. The preceding program is a Varcade Entertainment production.